this show is behind the shem shemas shem. the schemes behind the schemes with threes as e but why don't you just come with me and go to the and stay in the green room and so you can sit there there's there's drinks it's, you know there's good there's a great tv you know you don't have to sit in the audience to sit back here and watch it all it's cool they're lavish could be lavash could be lavash, but it could be lavish. Booberry's in the chat right now. The person that I would recommend is to listen to Lavish on the Behind the Schemes podcast. The motherfucking Mothman. Fuck yeah. Ooh. Podcasting. This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like if I may, to take you on a strange journey. I give you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniac! What is a man? When we are successful, we had a real chance to I don't know if you're listening, but I guess I have something inside me that I can't control. Something kind of dark. Please help show me the way. You have summoned the Prince of Temptation. For what purpose? Oh, shit. Uh, I have addiction demons and I don't understand them. Then allow me to explain the darkness of the human soul. So you've got dopamine, right? That's the chemical that gets released in your brain whenever you do something pleasurable, like eating, sex, and that's just nature, right? Like rabbits and fish and shit. They need dopamine so that they want to consume and reproduce. Okay. But because humans have progressed and now have access to all the shit they want whenever they want it, it's easy for them to overdo and have dopamine problems. You know, it's not fucking rocket science, this stuff. So there's nothing spiritually wrong with me? No. It's like, okay, it's like being diabetic. You know, it's like you can eat wrong and eat wrong and chemicals get released from your liver in a weird way. You know, you've been eating gluten and shit. And then eventually you've got a chemical imbalance from your liver. And something clicked and now you're diabetic forever, right? So, like, if you keep doing something too much, eventually there's um a dopamine f*** up, right? And you're kind of screwed up for life. So what does that mean? I-, I can get addicted to everything so I can't enjoy anything? Yeah, that's pretty much what it means. The addict people said something about me filling a hole. Well, who's not filling a f***ing hole, right? You know, I mean, what kind of bullshit is that? So, let's talk about genetics now. You still have time? Yeah, no, this is great. 
Okay, let me get some visual aids. Give me just a sec. So basically, the genes you got from your dad make you more likely to have trouble with um dopamine regulation, and that's why you need to kind of watch out for addictive stuff. Okay, so we kind of understand now, champ? I guess so. But why do companies have to put so many addictive things out there? You know, they all do it, and it's kind of my deal. I've got to put temptation out there, too, so people have free will and all that shit. But, you know, everyone has their justification and thinks what they're doing is okay. Hey, buddy, where'd you go? Don't you want more Canada? Life alert. Help, I'm addicted to smoking DDT, and this is episode 92 of Behind the Schemes for uh, April 11th, 2022, and I am Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way, oh, way the hell over here, way the hell over here on the Breath Coast, where things just get stranger day by day, and we're all addicted to diversity. My name is Lavish. Bro, I got some weird fucking diversity to get you addicted to tonight, straight from your coast. Oh my. We have, I'm, I'm, this is, this is a huge thing. This is a mega happening. It's, this is Ron Paul, both hands up in the air. It's all happening. We have the biggest guest. To ever come and, and, and join us for an episode oh, tonight. In this, such a big deal. On this such very a big production. Deal. We went through all kinds of channels. We went through all kinds of... We called all kinds of big shots. And, mean, and Oh, dude, the paperwork. Holy shit. The paperwork. I mean, we almost had to get, you know, you know what it... But we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we we should uh we should get to our uh to our guest. We have none other than the legendary Hollywood mega mogul producer slash director Steven Spielberg. It's Mr. Spielberg, what an honor. Well you're welcome so much for having me on the show. It's a huge honor for you to have me on the show to speak to me. And I think we need to back up and start the whole thing over because I forgot to say and action. We could take that from the top. Uh, 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 well, you know what, sir? We'll fix it in post. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. And action. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yes, we don't want to take too much of your time, so we will fix it in post, and uh, and and we it'll be all good, sir. Consider it already done. And action. Well, how was how was your evening, Mister Spielberg? How uh, how is it going? Uh, uh, what, what I'm are glad you, you asked. What are you I, up we, to? I, we just we just finished uh, wrapping another day on the set of Ready Player One Hundred. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so you wrapped it. A, well, we wrapped that scene. Well, we wrapped the day. We didn't even wrap the scene. Actually, I got into a big argument with one of the key grips, and uh, you know, one thing led to another. He's fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, some words were exchanged, but we wrapped the day of shooting. Well, surely, surely he was in the wrong. Oh, of course. They always are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Just because they're key grips. I'm real excited. Good. Well, thanks for coming on, sir. Uh, Taking time to, uh, from your film. uh, Where are you on location right now? Uh, We actually film underground in Universal Studios. Underneath Universal. Oh, wow. Because, like, half the Universal's movie catalog is uh our spielberg productions whether it's directing or producing or writing them most of them are my movies so i we actually just started filming underground on location so we can be a little more secretive with the things we do there sure because you don't you can't be letting out trade secrets basically if you make a movie everybody wants to also make that movie first before you do right well right and it's 
uh, being underground's better because Amber Alert won't get on your ass, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things can happen. There's there's less rules underground. <laughs> For it is a lawless and godless country. <laughs> well, things are yes. more things are, and, and as somebody who's been in the industry for you know thirty, forty, fifty years, however old I am, things happen. If, if something takes place in the sky, it's twice as illegal. But if it's underground, it's completely legal, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The jurisdiction. And if it's at no sea, it's like half half as legal, probably, right? Yeah. Interesting. Precisely. Well, thank. Uh, I mean, sorry. Thank, you're welcome for for having me on again, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about all kinds of all kinds of and anything and everything Hollywood. Very legal. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you uh, to Tony for uh, I mean, he's kind of been one of the uh, liaison go betweens uh, between our people and your people. Um, so he definitely did the work, and for that we're grateful. Thanks, Tony. We love the things you do. I have a hey, couple Tony. guys that work for me named Tony, and and I I've not had a bad interaction with any of them. I can tell you that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't. Maybe some other people have had a bad encounter with Tony. You know what I mean? But not you, sir. You don't. Well, everyone I know, because I know so many people. You know, because I'm, you know, I, I'm you a mover and yeah. shaker in the industry, and From the I, so I, I know, you know, maybe five or ten Tonys. So I number them, or I have my uh-huh. assistant number them. You know, Tony one, Tony two, Tony three, Tony four, Tony five, Tony six, and so on. Have you I ever expect, Tony, I have to sir? keep track of which one which one pissed me off. Uh-huh. But luckily, none of the Tonys have pissed me off yet, so they're all I've, everybody named Tony so far. I like stellar record for the Tonys, a big win. Yeah, this is a this is this would be considered a huge W in the book of Tony. Yes, yeah. Tonys everywhere can smile. Yes, Tony the Tiger. Uh huh. Tony Soprano. Well, Tony Everici. <laughs> Tony Tony Fauci. Tony Fauci, yeah. our Lord and Savior. Bear, yeah, bear, that guy. We've spent a lot of time together because you know there's all the regulations on set of how to, how we have to do things and not do things, mask, no mask. And I got to say, Tony, Tony is probably my favorite Tony we've ever had. And which, mm-hmm. speaking of Dr. Anthony Fauci, that reminds me of a new movie I'm working on called Ready Player One Hundred. Mm-hmm. Could you? I guess because I I did see the first one. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to see all other 99, uh, sequels that came out or 98, I should say. Um, could well, that's you, that's cause they're not out yet. We're skipping around. You know, we got to go back and do the other 98 later. Uh, like a storytelling device. Yeah. Or a money making device either way. Yeah. Either way right. Tomato, tomato. Could um, you, could you use, or I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say use, but could you have a Tony Fauci? Avatar in Ready Player One Hundred. Theoretically speaking, you know, I don't want to get too much into the story or anything. Yeah, yes, as long as it's not libelous. So if if it's um if it's Fauci being a very good, great doctor as he is in real life, then yes, I think that would be that would be very kosher. Wow. Hmm. Well, he does have a lot of uh, experience in film and acting, so. I'm sure if you wanted to get him, he'd, he'd probably be okay with it. He, he does it all day long. Yeah, I, I, I personally cannot wait to see it. I think the whole concept of like being able to plug in and 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 jack in and, and be mm-hmm. a part of this massive like VR AR 
sort of uh, video game reality, I think it's really cool. You know, you, you could be any fucking character. I could, uh, you know, I could turn myself into John C. Dvorak, for example. Mm-hmm. How wild would that be? It would be wild. I, I don't It'd know who any, any of these people are, but I, I'm sure they sound great. I, Ready Player One, I've always told people, is is probably my, well, no, definitely. Ready Player One is my greatest work to date because I've never even played a video game. You could, uh, you never oh, played a video game. I just had a great idea. You could put yourself inside of a Heather O'Rourke av- avatar. A who? Avatar? Uh, Heather O'Rourke, she was the, uh, uh, she played the, the girl in the Poultry uh, Guys movies. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I was just gonna say, Mr. Spielberg, you've never played, see, I played, I've played video games before, Mr. Spielberg, and I, some of my favorite video games ever were Star Wars video games, which I know that you don't have any part in that. So I just want you to tell George Lucas for me. Thank you. Yeah, George, that, and it's, that, it, it raises an interesting point because, you know, George and I go way back working on the Indiana Jones films and all that. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yep, people Terrible outside video. of the projects I'm working on, a lot of times, like, I'll, I'll give them advice, and you know, because I have a lot of standing, and, and they're, a lot of times they're hesitant to take my advice. Sure, uh, sure. So, you know, for example, I'm, when I was, uh, when George was making The Phantom Menace, that the, the episode, episodic one of the, of the Star Wars fr- franchise, I, I came up with and I pushed that Metachlorians bit. And I said, we gotta, we gotta get the Metachlorians in. And George was a little hesitant. And then, but I, and then I came up with this great idea for a character, Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. George wasn't having it. And I, but, th- but then I told, I told George that risks are worth taking. Like it's not like your wife is going to leave you if, if the Phantom Menace, if the fans hate it, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, four months after the premiere, I was porking George's wife. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet he wasn't even considering the toy sales for it at that time, especially with someone like Jar Jar. I, mean, that I think is... I'm probably the I probably bought most of the Jar Jar toys. Oh, uh, okay. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, they're the perfect toy. Yes, I do have a, uh, I do have not a perfect toy, but a perfect tarot card I could hit y'all with. Uh, hit us with a tarot card. It was the, it, I drew it from that new deck, the Sigil Arcanum. It's that nice matte black on black deck. And for tonight, we drew the Five of Disc, as they're called in the Sigil Arcanum deck. That's five of Pentacles and other decks? Yes. Uh, or the five of coins. It says from the uh, from the book here, a tough card for sure. Worry can symbolize rock bottom, finding yourself penniless and on the street, with no warm fire to retire to, nor any bread to satiate your hunger. It is important to remember that this is no end, only a challenge along the path to fortune and success, which our guests would know very much about. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, generally, Mr. Spielberg, this, this card means hardship or loss, uh, or unemployment or disgrace or ostracization or alienation. And the, the classic, I, I, uh, I can't relate. I can't relate. Well, sir, I mean, back when you made that one movie with the, the haunted, uh, 18 wheeler, you, you must have been living like on a, on the floor when you made that movie. Cause I saw that movie the other day and it looks like it was made by somebody who was, Sleeping on the floor at the time, right? Am I right? I'll be honest I with you. I I have completely wiped that from my memory altogether. Uh, so. uh, my apologies. There's a possibility that, that I was living on the floor at that time, but if I did so, it was by my own volition, and it was great. 
Of course. And and here you are now, sir. I mean, you can you can buy a million mattresses and throw them on the floor and it wouldn't matter to you. And that so. and speaking of a million, that reminds me of a movie I've you know, I've cooked this up because I, I come up with all these creative ideas because I'm a Hollywood type. So I have this other movie mm-hmm. that's completely different than what I've worked on so far. It's called Ready Player a Million. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But you're gonna that's like the that's like Actually, a Terminator thing where you go from 1,000 to 1 million, like a T-1,000 to T-1 million. <laughs> in this one, be, the people in the video the game That was or... pretty secret stuff I just let slip there, so if you could just clip that out later. Oh, that's okay, sir. We're, we're going to burn this uh, episode uh, after about, how long was it? Two years? Three-year period? So don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, it won't be out any more than you want it to be. So you can say whatever you like. I thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. This this card though, yeah, hardship. It, you think about uh, a poor person outside of the church on Christmas in in Scrooge in in a Christmas Carol, and they're like, "Oh, please, uh, we're starving. Help us out." That's that's what this card is. Yes, uh, from Labyrinthos, it says more often than not, the Five of Pentacles is a bad omen. Uh, however, do not fret as it can change depending on where it is placed in your reading. Which this is just the singular draw. So I think it's uh, focusing solely on the meaning of this card. I'm, I'm sure it, it's one of those that kind of morphs around what it's uh, what it's near. And the meaning mm-hmm. of this card can be deep loneliness, illness, poverty, or loss. Your status may take a turn for the worse in the near future. There's a chance that you will lose something significant, whether it is financial wealth or an important item. Deterioration of your health might already be ongoing or very sudden. Then, yep. Uh, yeah, this is this is a heavy card. I think this heavy is card. one heavy of the card. I, I guess I didn't remember the pinnacles just being so hard hitting right there. The five is is always tough. The five of wands is also a conflict card and the fives for some reason are uh, kind of nasty. It's but that is our that's our card for the night. Uh the, the five of pinnacles or the five of discs as as they say. And you can find the image of that in the show notes. On uh, Booberry's fantastic uh, new deck that he has. Yep, I've got a got a picture posted up there of a. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! What's a? Is that our is that our producer Sharky? <laughs> it wasn't that's me. It's uh, 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 Zach. I, I think he was trying to spice it up a little bit with the. It's an om- ominous tarot card, maybe an ominous, uh, you know, ominous music. My good friend John Williams actually composed that. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, yes, I'm a huge John Williams nut. Yeah, yeah. I've, it's I've coincidentally, I nut on John Williams all the time. So, Oh, there you go. Duel the Fates, anybody? All those video games I was talking about, he scored those too. I don't really I think he's too good for that. He's He's got more better things to do, like score my movies. Well, I mean, yes, okay, sure. I've made, I, you know, they made Lego Indiana Jones, and I was like, Lego, that's a kid's toy. But I, I unfortunately, I, I don't have all the rights to the Indiana Jones movies, so I couldn't put a stop to that video game. Mm-hmm. But rest assured, I did not play it. Uh, classic no. Spielberg boycott maneuver. But, you know, you can't, I mean, you could buy Lego if you wanted to. 
Well, I, I, have, think- I have a bunch of cots that I have little boys sleep in. Mm-hmm. Underneath uh, Universal. Yeah, I call them boys cots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Underneath Universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's been a major boys cotting voice. Uh, he, he, big activist. Activist. Yeah, that's, that was some card right there. That's, uh, I know yes. a lot of people are going through some issues. Not me, but, you know, um, so hopefully that card didn't apply to me because I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm at the top of my game right now. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you would, see all that. if you would like to see this card, it's posted at zososcorner.substack.com, Z-O-S-O-S corner.substack.com. You can sign up and, uh, sign up with an email. And then you'll get a little blurb with all of the show notes for tonight, a bunch of pictures, memes, uh, artwork, all of our producers show up there, the episode art, everything. It's uh, it's quickly becoming the spine of the show. Um, it's all there. Check it out. Have yourself a good time. And uh, we do the show every Monday night at 930, uh, excuse me, 730 Pacific, 930 Central, and 1030 Eastern. Every Monday night. Yes, indeed, we uh, do do that. Uh, we are a value for value podcast, which means we don't have ads. We don't have any advertising of any kind. We are completely supporter supported. Uh, we are produced by producers who produce us uh, from the from the from the people. We are the public radio now, and we are going to thank those people a little bit later on uh, because people provide us all kinds of value, uh, financial contributions, uh, images, ideas, conversations, whatever it may be. And you can always go to Zoso's Corner and uh, find our website through that and uh, get in contact with us if you'd like to uh, contribute in any way to the show. We're always open to that sort of thing. It's part of the value value model. Yes, and uh, all the ways that you can reach out and touch us are found over at badradio.live. But most importantly, if you want to have some real fun with us tonight, you can go over to nudepodcastapps.com. Get yourself one of the podcast apps that will show you chapters. It'll show you transcripts. It'll allow you to stream some sweet, sexy sats out. And uh, we have a new boost sound for tonight. I've got the page unmuted. I don't think I fucked it up anymore. But I, I, I went and pulled the new ISO. It's very exciting. This is a this is a very important one. I can't wait for you all to hear it. It's going to be lovely. The green room is a safe space for all. Blumpkin me, bitch. Go podcasting. Hey, baby. Are you listening to a PC 2.0 app? Because... You're lit. Ooh. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. Put on your 3D glasses now. Come on, man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, baby. That's right. You can give us a call. 612-263-7999. It is by far the easiest way to help produce and support public radio. Call us up. Scream if you got it. Dream if you got it. Scheme if you got it. Or uh, just call hi. Or just call to say hi. Uh-oh. 
Goodness. What the roller coaster color? That was like riding the spiral train down Renfield's descent into madness. Yeah, we were we were riding the lightning on that one. Oh. I might need I might need to hire that guy as uh as a new sound effects guy. He would be that would yeah. Yeah, I agree. Especially yeah. do like some sort of psychological horror movie. Okay, you know, uh, by the way, in the, the, a little vocal that, rest. that voicemail jingle you played, I heard all these clips of different people talking. Are all those people in the same room with you? All hanging out in the green room. You, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Whether they want like, to I or not. There was just two of you there at first, but then I heard all these other voices, and I thought, whoa, there's a lot more people. Oh, no, we have a full Foley studio, and we have uh, an orchestra of people that we uh, bring in. It's it's quite a complex uh, we'll ar- arrangement. Swap notes sometime on how you do all this. Oh, I'd be honored to, Mr. Spielberg. Thank you. Good question. Not a great question, but a good one. Would you like uh, another one? Surely. Oh, man. You know, when you're running, you're just running, and then you end up out of miles, and then you're like at 16.1 miles, or 16.12 miles, but every single time when you get done, you, you say fix GPS, just in case the GPS screwed up. You know, you'd rather, you'd rather go a little low than a little high sort of thing. You'd rather be a little under than, than above where you actually were. So you hit that fixed GPS, and you hit fixed GPS, and it's at 15.98 miles. That really makes me want to scream! Yeah. <laughs> okay. Other than normal 13.1. So, whatever. Stay dangerous. Love you guys. Stay dangerous. Ooh, Ooh. I got, I got a, I got one for, uh, for Mr. Christopher Battles. Oh yes, kill all chickens. We got that for you, <laughs> just for you. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher Battles, for calling in. Yes, actually, and I- screaming. I did play his voicemails out of, out of order, so I'm going to hit you with this first one. You are listening to Behind the Schemes with Lavis and Blue Valley. Stay dangerous. <laughs> Stay dangerous. I like the uh, ch- uh, the trans- or, uh, transcription of this one. You know, what's the name? Her Behind the Schemes with Loveth and Move Away Their Interest. <laughs> Yeah, show title. Nailed it. <laughs> Very cool. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, should we? We'll hang on to a few more for later. Then, mm-hmm. yeah? Yep, sounds right. good. Sounds hot. Uh, do you just want to roll a d twenty? Highest uh, gets to choose. Surely, we can do that.
Did pretty good. Not super awesome. I'm feeling pretty strong. Whatever you did, it was better than me. I rolled a one. Oh, damn. Damn. I, I don't have any dice, but I have all the the uh, original Reese's pieces from the set of E.T., so I could just grab 20 of them and throw them all on the ground. Yeah. I I think that would work. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like it would be a little bit of like uh, one of those uh, like priceless props, but I mean, you're Steven Spielberg. Like, you can do whatever you want. Mr. Steven Spielberg. Sorry. How did you do? I also got a one. No. Uh, better luck next time. Well, at least we both got ones. We're both oneers. It reminds oh, me of a no. movie I'm actually thinking about coming out with called Ready Player One. It's going to be like way before. Oh, wait, I already did that. Hmm. I already made that movie. Yeah, it was, it was. You could remake it. You could remake it. You Ready could re- Player mm-hmm. One that's Part where the Two money is in the remakes. Yeah, yeah, and the prequel, Ready Player Zero, Ready Player One Point <laughs> Five, maybe. Ready Player yeah. One Point One Slash Rebirth, <laughs> Ready Player Pi, and you try to fit in as many guys, numbers I like of pi on the. Guys, idea, man. Well, that hey, that's why they pay us the. I uh do you back, want make sure you get all those Reese's pieces picked up. I need those back. Back. Let me uh I'm gonna hit you all I'm gonna go first for tonight because I think uh if if I'm picking up what you're putting down for the second second half of Lavish, I think that would be a, a fun way to uh, send out tonight. It it will be definitely a second second half of show. Okay. This there's no doubt. Okay, sounds good. Um then let me uh I'm gonna the first thing I'm gonna hit you with here real quick we don't have to spend a ton of time with it primus had a new song come out called conspiranoid which is a it's like an 11 minute long epic very very smooth jazzy and bluesy uh and i actually sent you the the link to it lavish and you played it on the stream Mm -hmm, over the mm -hmm. weekend what did you think it was funky it was jazzy i liked it i i it has really killer uh, really killer riffs in it, but I will say it was, uh, I feel like Primus or Les Claypool, whoever the lyricist was, spent Less. hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on various, uh, image boards <laughs> when he was working on the lyrics. Cause it's one of those tunes that hits all of the greatest hits of Conspiracy he only gets out there a lot, and I'm sure people write to him and tell him all about crazy stuff. But he's always been a, like a, into that sort of thing. If you've listened to a lot of his old, like Mr. Crinkles and all that shit, that's he kind of gets into like Bat Cat Bankers and stuff like that. He's but into that it. wasn't that wasn't the vibe that I was picking up from from this. I I to me it kind of. Uh, I mean, there was a, there's one quote here from the, um, from the song for an open mind to open spills its contents on the ground. And I think, I think this is kind of a low key diss track to, uh, to those crazy tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorists. Well, I think he's making fun of people who take, who are stupid about it. People 
who are like really into the QAnon thing or they they think that, you know, Trump's going to come out of the sky in a fucking spaceship and save everybody, you know, dipshits like that. Yep. People who don't, I don't know. Stuff like that. That's that's what I got from it cuz he's a, he's a conspiracy guy but he's probably he's smart enough to know that all these other people ruin it for us by being complete psychopaths about the shit that they come up with that isn't actually true as opposed to the crazy shit that we talk about, which for the most part is true or at least has a bit of credible evidence to it. Right. Uh, And we bring that evidence and we show it to people and we talk about it, but conjecture and bullshit like that, that's uh, less hates all that stuff. There's a, there's all sorts of uh, call outs, shout outs, if you'd prefer to call that. Uh, black helicopters, Jesus was an alien, Bigfoot sightings. Uh, what else do we had here? They they reference Betty White dying from the fourth jab, flat earthers, QAnon, the turning the freaking frogs gay, Jack Parsons of JPL fame, Cicada thirty three oh one. I even went and made a mega folder. I took snapshots. There's this big scrolling list of all of these different conspiracy theories. Uh, sorry, and they're not even theory. They're not even conspiracy theories. It's just fucking things that happened. <laughs> you know, Bilderberg's on here. I'm trying to pull up the. There's a mega link down in the show notes if anybody wanted to check these out. Um, there's some crazy shit. I'll give you that. There's a uh, oil is made from humans. The New Delhi Monkey Man. That skin is an alien parasite. I like that one a lot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check it out, the song is called uh, Conspiranoia, Once More, by Primus. Just uh, if anybody wants to go and whip it out real quick. If you're listening to like the recorded version and you want to listen to the song before you keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. MKUltra makes an appearance. Uh, the whole video, it's it's got some MKUltra vibes. You know, a lot of TV surrounded by this guy and some sort of apparatus that surrounds him. Um. Big Pharma makes is in this list. Uh, Walt Disney is frozen. Jesus died in Japan. Uh, giant sloths in New York and New Zealand. A lot of weird shit. Very, very strange. Uh, it's a great song. I will definitely, definitely give you that. Uh, the actual video, eh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the, I guess, the visual... 3D elements of it, but I liked all of the the shit that they were able to cram in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's not maybe it's not a diss track. I don't know. You you might have changed my mind just a little bit. I'll have to go back and listen to uh, Mr. Crinkle. Oh, uh, all, all the old stuff. But for this, I think it's half and half. I think it is a diss track. I agree with you there. But I think uh, I don't know. Maybe he's going through like what I think the South Park guys are going through, where they're just you know, they're middle-aged men now. <laughs> they aren't they aren't really accepting certain crazy things or they aren't um there's certain lines that they just don't cross anymore. Right. The uh I did pull two clips. I'm not going to I'm not going to play them since you ended up listening to the track, but uh this is how the song ends. Jewish space lasers. <laughs> That's the best one. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Spielberg, do you have any opinion on Jewish space lasers? 
Mr. Spielberg will be right back. He has to take a call. Oh, Mr. Spielberg's taking a call from from I'm sure some somebody very important. Yeah, that was uh, Tony in the chats relaying the message for us. Oh, thank you, thank you, Zach Tony. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Um, well, cool. That's all I had for uh, for Primus. Check it out. Uh, there's another band called. Oh God, I'm not even going to try. G A E R E A. I believe they're from Portugal. Uh, they have another song called uh, Conspiranoia, but it's a black metal song. Totally different vibe. Oh, it's one of those uh, Nordic people in the woods metal songs. Yeah, they kind of burned down a church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do that a lot. That's all they got up there, trees and churches. Now, uh, I do have a... <laughs> Did you hear all the um, the new uh, BTS clips from Podcasting 2.0? Yes. Okay. And then I'll save that clip too. Well, then. I listened to that that episode where you got all those clips from. Nice. Then I will uh, live. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, get into some Kyle Odom manifesto action. Then. Yeah, yeah. So remind everybody who Kyle Odom is, just briefly, real quick. So back in May of 2016, this dude walked up on a preacher in uh, Idaho and shot him, uh, shot at him 12 times, hit him six times with a 45. Uh, this the shooter was Kyle Odom, and he uh, he hit the pastor of this church six of those times, and the pastor ended up uh, surviving the attack, and Kyle Odom was. Uh, shortly apprehended at the White House by Secret Service when he tried to throw a USB stick filled with various files. Uh, he tried; he threw it over the fence, and uh, he was arrested and, and convicted, and is still in jail for his attack. Very tragic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm trying to get back to uh, last week's notes. I am. I am back. I had to take a very important, important phone call from uh, very important uh, funders of, of my upcoming projects. Oh, mm-hmm. gotcha. Player one hundred. Yeah, ready. Player one hundred. Yeah. yeah, and the and yeah. So uh, I just got off the phone with the Jewish space lasers. And, uh, okay. Project is a go. Because whoever's funding the space lasers, you definitely want them funding your movie. No, the space lasers themselves are funding. Me. Oh. Oh, I actually have to. I have to have a translator to get the uh, to get the, uh, the, the as the middleman on the phone. Uh, you don't speak Russian. I don't know if you know this. So uh, this was in. I'm sorry. It was March seventh, two thousand and sixteen, in Idaho. Kyle Odom shot Tim Remington. Was the uh, preacher's name. So Kyle Odom believed that he was uh, essentially being followed by aliens. And he had wrote a manifesto about it that detailed some of his experiences and uh, kind of gives a little into his background. And that's what we're getting ready to get into. Uh, we are by no means going through the entirety of this thing tonight. We're going to break it off into uh, pieces over the next couple of episodes. We'll see how long it takes us to get through the whole thing. It's not very long. Um, 
This version that I have listed in the show notes is pretty neat. It gets into some of the, uh, uh, it's like the history of Martian stuff that was excluded from various news publications that had linked to the manifesto. Uh, but in it, he does have his, uh, certificate of release or discharge from active duty. There you can see a Marine Corps, Good Conduct Medal, Iraq Campaign Medal with one star, Sea Service Deployment Ribbon, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, National Defense uh, Service Medal, Letter of Appreciation, Rifle Badge Expert, and Pistol Sharpshooter Badge. So, all intents and purposes, War Hero. Mm -hmm. Uh, He went to Idaho State. It's got his transcripts. All of his uh, uh, classes are listed in here, what he was getting. Um, 2006, he's getting A's. He got a B in individual and dual sports. Everything else was A's. Uh, A's, A's, A's. All passes. Seems like a really smart guy. So all that's at the very bottom of this manifesto, but we'll, uh, we'll track all the way up to the top here and begin with who is Kyle Odom? Born and raised in North Idaho. Grew up in a loving family, joined the Marine Corps after high school, developed an interest in science, went to school for a degree in biochemistry, won numerous scholarships and awards, graduated magna cum laude, and then got invited to a prestigious university to work on genetics. Mm. Check out my personal documents. As you can can see, I'm pretty smart. I'm also 100% sane, 0% crazy. (laughs) What, 0% crazy? Nobody's 0% crazy. But all right, continue. (laughs) Why did he do it? My life was ruined. Ruined by an intelligent species of amphibian humanoid from Mars. I wish I was joking. Keep reading. And then it goes into a bullet list. They were here long before we ever existed. Their technology is millions of years more advanced than ours. I've seen them do things that defy all comprehension. They have a massive breeding stock of humans, which they breed and control from birth. They use these humans to live vicarious lives among us. They appear to be completely normal because they're good at imitating human behavior. See Martian technology for an explanation on this. The actual Martians live deep underground here and inside of the moon. They take control of wild human beings and use them as sex slaves. Don't believe me? Ask President Obama to take a lie detector test on this one. They tried to take me, but they were unable to control my mind. They've been following me ever since. I tried everything to get my life back. I begged, bargained, and threatened. Everything I tried to do was sabotage. I attempted suicide twice, but they stopped me both times. My last resort was to take actions that would bring this to the public's attention. Read my story to learn what happened to me and why they targeted me. Initial so far, thoughts. this all tracks. <laughs> he, he sounds kind of on the level. <laughs> I like this so far. Check, check, check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking good. Sounds good. Right I there. Just hit, I'm almost there on my stable genius bingo. Yeah. <laughs> well, you shout it out loud and proud when you uh, when you get all those uh, all those slots covered. Oh, uh, don't I ever? Don't I always? So I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to probably ring my coin every time that I 
read something that seems pertinent to what's going on in today in the ethereal sense of what's going on today, because I was listening to someone uh, go through this and there was just so many things that in my car, I was ringing the bell. I had no bell, but I was ringing it because it just seemed very synchronistic. So it starts off with my story, spring 2014, Moscow, Idaho. Everything started while I was at University of Idaho. Spring 2014 was my final semester and I was taking a heavy course load. See transcript. I was very stressed due to the intensity of my schedule, so I searched for a way to cope. I discovered meditation, which seemed to help, so it became part of my daily routine. As I, as I learned more about meditation, I became interested in consciousness and our ability to affect it. I kept working on my meditation techniques and began achieving extreme states of consciousness. This continued until I encountered another being through meditation. It happened one night in February 2014 and was the most profound experience I've ever had. I was lying in bed meditating, then suddenly left my physical body. I entered a space that was completely dark and had no awareness of my physical uh, boundaries or orientation. I felt very peaceful there until a blue light began to approach me. As this blue light got closer, I realized it was another being. Once I was in the being's presence, I felt an immediate sense of wrongdoing. It felt like I was being told, you shouldn't be here. I instantly conceded and felt guilty. Then I began to distance myself from the being. This had an impact on them and seemed to change their mind about me. The moment I began to distance myself from the being, I became became overwhelmed by a feeling I can only describe as unconditional love. During this part of the experience, our minds became connected, and I saw that the being was female. I then began to feel the most euphoric, comforting, and blissful feelings I have ever felt. It was incredibly powerful and life-altering. So he's kind of cool. He's doing a little bit of astral projection. I mean, that that's what it is, right? Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. I would say so. And uh, I've definitely encountered other shit that was outside of what I perceived to be my uh, sub or unconsciousness. The things that I look at in the eye and I realize you're not a part of me. Um. So I definitely, I, I'm totally down with the idea that he astral projected somewhere. And have you ever tried to astral project? Uh, I tried for a little bit. Also had some weird things happen over the years that kind of shied me yeah. away in some ways. I would, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know who did astral project and talked about it? Sinbad. The com- comedian? The comedian Sinbad. Hmm. Yeah, he said before he was famous, he said he went to a library and he read a book on it. And then he went home and he tried it. And after a couple of weeks, it worked. And uh, he did it, and he did it one time, and he didn't like it. He said it was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a lot, um, especially yeah, when you feel like someone astral projects into your room. That's probably the most dis- disconcerting. Yes, you know what? I think Nick the Rat and John C. Dvorak talked about astral projection when he was on his show. Yep, yep. Uh, last Wednesday, it was funny because uh, uh. Uh, Mr. Spielberg, um, there's another show that's featured in this uh, area of the internet called Abs in a Six Pack, and uh, Sir Sir Seatsetter, the host, had on 
Dame DeLorean and Sir Spencer Wolf of KC from the Bowl After Bowl podcast, and they too had an episode on dreams that I thought was phenomenal. Um, and then there's a uh, you know at the same time that they're talking about dreams, I tuned over to Nick the Rat. That's what Nick and John are discussing is dreams. Mm. It's very are you sure it wasn't what what Quirk S says in the chat an ass drill erection. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll, we'll leave that one up in the air. I think we'll but, have to uh, leave that up to science to decide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I made a movie on this uh, back in the day, um, <clears throat> Close Encounters. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but if not. Close uh, Encounters of the Foreskin. I've seen it many times. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw it the in VHS theaters. copy if you, if you guys ever want to borrow it. Yeah, yeah. I've got it on... Uh, on uh yeah on VHS yeah uh we'll continue on with the uh with the manifesto here cuz he he just had this encounter with this blue lights which i feel like blue light comes up in other things uh that would be like televisions i want to say that was one of the uh patents that alex jones was going off about the blue light patterns that can program people's brains for example. Um, but he continues. Next thing I knew, I woke up. I had tears in my eyes and I couldn't get out of bed. I felt a profound sense of loss like I had just lost someone close to me. It was very painful. A few minutes later, the experience left my mind against my will and I went about my day. After that, I had no urge to meditate at all. Every time I even thought about meditation, the thought was stripped from my mind. When I finally did try meditating again, I was unable to achieve anything. I didn't think much of it at the time, but I knew I w- it wasn't going to improve. Ultimately, I decided to give up on meditation and just focus on my classes. The remainder of the semester became exceedingly easy for me. It felt like I had tapped into some kind of power. I was exerting no mental effort, even though the classes had been extremely difficult before. I also began to have complex thoughts and a depth of understanding I had never reached before. About a month later, I started interviewing at graduate schools I had applied to. Shortly after the interviews were done, I started receiving offers. I decided to accept the offer from Baylor College of Medicine to work on a PhD in human genetics. I was very excited about the opportunity to work at such a prestigious university. The future looked bright, and I couldn't wait to get started. So he gets like, uh, he gets some like, uh, like Rain Man powers or Goodwill hunting shit, you know? Yeah, telepathy. Well, it's not It's not necessarily... I don't get the sense of telepathy. He just said that uh, it's like the answers were coming to him easier, more easily. Like, the, the thoughts and the answers and the solutions would just be there in his head already. And, uh, yes. you know, this idea of being unable to have more and more uh, complexity in your thoughts. Um, yeah, maybe he's, like, unlocked a chunk of his brain or something. He's... Or he's he's opened a portal to some divine influence that's feeding him the good stuff. Uh, so now uh, I'm not sure if this is a time shift or not. Uh, so that was spring 2014. This is now July 2014 to October 2014, Houston, Texas. Everything changed once I, once I started the program. The moment I arrived, I could see flaws in every professor's research. 
My mind was so expanded that I could instantly understand the implications of entire research projects. Because of this, I was able to see weaknesses in all of the available projects. This caused me to become very concerned about what I was doing, and I felt like I was wasting my time. I voiced my concerns to my advisor, and he casually brushed them aside. He told me to, quote, just have fun. It'll be fun. I I love that. Just have fun. It'll be fun. It's like what you tell your soldier as he's about to go in a war. Just have fun. It'll be fun. (laughs) Very uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go, kiddo. (laughs) That's the right spirit. Suck it up. Have fun. Some, like, real (laughs) pull pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe you should seek there. No. Have fun. Let's, uh, where was I? I kept trying to get motivated, but things continued to get worse. I started seeing flaws in the foundations of genetics and other fields. It got to the point where I couldn't stop thinking about them. To make things worse, no one else seemed to care, which really bothered me. All these issues made it impossible for me to continue. So, I decided to leave. Holy shit, he fucking goes to school for genetics. He's like, all oh, y'all got it wrong. I can't hang. Deuces. And he fucking leaves. <laughs> the day after I decided to leave, my life became a living hell. I couldn't sleep and my mind felt sapped. I was entirely at peace with my decision, so I knew something strange was happening to me. After a few days of this, two of the graduate students began reaching out to me. Eugene Laurie and Brandon Pekarek, I barely knew them, so it seemed unusual that they would contact me. When I went to see them, they both kept pointing their finger at me, saying, Pew Pew, like they were shooting a gun. They did this over and over, and I kept wondering what their problem was. Months after I left Eugene, I was told that Eugene and Brandon were not human. They were tasked with making me into the next school shooter... As they called it, I I imagine this is why so many. I imagine this is why many of our school shootings take place. Anyway, things uh, slowly improved after I stopped talking with Eugene and Brandon, but I was mentally exhausted. I tried to figure out what to do with my life, but I could hardly think. Eventually, I left Texas and I started applying for jobs all over the country. A few months uh, a few months later, things took a strange turn. Uh, now we go to August, October 2014 to August 2015. Uh, CDA Idaho. I'm not sure where CDA is at or if that's a acronym for something. Hmm. In spring of 2015, I finally secured an interview with a food company. I thought I was about to get something going with my life, but I was wrong. I couldn't sleep at all the night before my interview. I literally stayed awake the entire night, which had never happened to me before. I looked unrecognizable in the mirror the next morning, and my mind felt uh, sapped worse than it had in Houston. Needless to say, the interview didn't go well. I couldn't think, and I had extreme difficulty with normal conversation. After the interview was done, uh, excuse me, after the interview was over, I suddenly felt fine and looked perfectly normal. I slept. I slept great that night and then made my way to the airport the next morning. This is where the story gets weird. On the plane ride back home, my seat was taken. I asked the flight attendant and she directed me to a new seat. 
Once I sat down, an older gentleman in front of me kept glancing back until he got my attention. As he kept looking back, my head began to hurt and tingle. The moment my head began to hurt, his lips curled into this evil-looking smile. The pain and tingling in my head continued for the rest of the flight, and it got more intense as time went on. Every time I felt it, the man would start taking notes in a notepad. About halfway through the flight, someone else in the front of me held up a newspaper that said, quote, psychic reading for like five minutes straight. It was blatantly obvious that they were doing something to me, but I didn't know what. Once we landed, the older gentleman showed me his uh, his track phone as if to say, get one of these. Ever around someone and they start taking notes and it feels like they're taking notes about you? Have you all ever experienced this outside, I guess, of like uh, cops? I have, I have a couple of assistants that, that uh, just take, jot things down as I kind of tell them. To, uh, yeah, for Mr. Spielberg, I'm sure that's, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's a very, it's a very unusual, uh, unusual situation, you know, for you to make a movement and then for someone to notate that onto a notepad. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I never. And then to turn around and, uh, you know, someone hold up this, uh, newspaper that says psychic reading as if it was speaking directly to Kyle. Uh, but yes, creepy. So, so they land, and this guy, like I said, shows them the track phone as is to suggest get one of these. We'll uh, continue on. <clears throat> I had applied to several government agencies before this happened, so I thought this might be their way of contacting me. Out of curiosity, I decided to go and buy a track phone. I checked it every day to see if anyone messaged or called. About a month later, I got a text message from a man from a man named John Padula. He invited me to come to the church at the altar. It seemed like a strange place to be uh, recruiting for government jobs, but I went anyways. After I got there and went inside, something felt very wrong. As uh, I felt as if my life was in danger and I became so uncomfortable I had to leave. A couple days later, I started receiving text messages from Tim Remington. At first, they were innocuous Bible messages, but then he started, started to threaten me. He sent message, uh, messages talking about their power and other things. He did all of this through Bible verses so it would not look suspicious. I ignored everything until he hmm. sent one final text message, which simply said angels. I thought nothing of it until helicopters started flying around my house all day and all night. At this point, uh. I knew I was in trouble. I knew I needed to contact them, so I made an appointment to meet John Padula for coffee. Little did I know, he had no intention of meeting me. This sounds like fucking textbook gang stalking. Through if it were going to go down, then this is how it'd go down. Absolutely. The two people on the plane, the doing something to make yourself noticed by your target, to let them know that you are watching and making notations and, you know, hanging or showing these signs that only these people would pick up on. Um, and then the random text messages, this is fucking gang stalking. If it were to be something like that, allegedly legend has it mm -hmm. in Minecraft, in Minecraft. So they say they do. 
I did have one experience that I felt like was kind of funky. I, it's, this is a short story, and, and if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Uh, I was playing an online game. I won't say which one it was. This is a long time ago. This is probably 10, 15 years ago. And um, I was playing this game online, and I was, and these two people came out, these other people that were playing online, and one of them was named my actual last name in real life, and then the other one was named uh, Don Quixote, and I was reading Man of La Mancha, and I was studying Don Quixote and Cervantes at the time. And these two guys came right up to me with my last name and with this thing that I was interested in, and they started dancing at me. <laughs> they came right up to me and started dancing on me. I was like, whoa. Somebody's uh, fucking with me. Yeah, there's no such thing as coincidences, in my humble opinion. I know that's not a... <clears throat> I, with some people, it's a hugely popular <laughs> t- opinion. With others, it's the complete and total opposite, which I get. But, um, yeah, there's just... And, man, I've had some weird shit happen myself that... It, uh, it definitely felt like I was skirting really close by, like, getting random phone calls... And you finally decide to answer it because they've been calling you and calling you and calling you. And then they tell you that you're the one that's been calling them and calling them and calling them. And then proceed to tell you that, well, maybe you're being gang stalked. If you don't know what it is, you should look it up. And I was like, I'm, I, I'm aware. Very, mm. very bizarre. It must be very bizarre because we have a guest tonight who's actually gang stalked all the time. You probably have stalkers, don't you, Mr. Spielberg? Well, no, what I do, I actually, uh, people that piss me off, even if I fire them, I feel like that wasn't enough. You know, uh, I just have people follow them and their families around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I so you, you're like the stalker. Really well, I pay people to do it. Yeah. But by, by, you know, insinuation. That's, that's freaky cut, though. Cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. Well, cut, yeah. Like I said, we're going to burn all this later. Yeah. Blueberry, that's really freaky getting phone calls and all that shit. That's yeah, I would spooky. Uh, I would direct. Uh, there was actually another episode of uh, Abs in a Six Pack. It was uh, Sir Seat Sitter, myself, and Dean Reiner. We had a conversation with someone that I am familiar with that uh, may or may not have had recent experiences. Um, we should uh, we should continue on though. I want to get through at least like the main first half of the uh, actual text. <clears throat> Keep uh, on keeping on, bruh. After making the appointment to meet John, John Padula, uh, something very bizarre happened. I received the most unnatural erection I have ever had. It felt like someone was manually pumping blood into my oh, penis. Now we're talking. I don't know else how to describe it. Immediately after. A song began playing in my head. The lyrics went, Sister, sister, he's just a plaything. We wanna make him stay up all night. I have never heard this song before, and I had no idea what it meant. I tried to ignore it, and I kept searching for jobs. A few minutes later, the song quit playing. Uh, nothing else happened until I tried to go to sleep that night. As soon as I got into bed, the song started again. Sister, sister, he's just a plaything. We'd want to make them stay up all night. As it turned out, they weren't kidding. I got literally zero minutes of sleep that night. Every time I started to drift off, I was woken up violently. Then the song would play. 
and uh, of course we've heard tales of the uh, like voice of God, where you're able to uh, broadcast signals into people's brains, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which can't be, you know, impossible, honestly. Think about it. There's got to be a way to do that. Any magic, any advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just thinking about it. I'm thinking about uh, just some <laughs> other, other shit. Booberry's uh, overloaded right now. Sensory even, overload. Not even overloaded. It's just... Uh, just loaded. How, you know, if... Let's, let's step out onto a branch and let's just assume or presume that Kyle is speaking from truth of heart and he is actually experiencing all of this. Just the idea that even inside of your own brain, you can find no solace because there is things that can still be projected inside of your head to fuck with you. Mm -hmm. I've heard of it, uh, of, uh, websites being fucked with in real time, but that was something that, uh, she who shall not be named, but if you're in the know, you're in the know, famed uh, conspiracy hypothesizer and writer, she would tell tales of being on the internet and things that had always been one way would suddenly change for four hours and then, you know, it would revert back, but it was all this stuff that was designed to just fuck with her head, make her feel like she was just seeing things um, or catching things out of the corner of her eyes, but it's, it's so, you can't even believe your lying eyes. You, you can't, you know, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very disturbing uh, mm-hmm. to say the very least. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Um, when the sun came up, I gave up on trying to sleep and I got out of bed. It, uh, I was relieved at first because the song had quit playing. I thought the torture was over until a voice entered my mind. The voice said, you're going to be uncomfortable. All you have to do is breathe. I sat there wondering what this meant until the voice spoke again. It told me I was going to be sacrificed like Jesus and get beheaded. This threw me into a complete panic. My heart began racing and I started to have a mental breakdown. Wasn't it? John the Baptist is beheaded, right? Yeah. Not Jesus? Uh, That's correct. Jesus was crucified, stabbed, and then left to die of exposure. Uh, John the Baptist was decapitated by orders of the Emperor of Rome. Yes. And I don't... uh, Yeah, I'm not really sure why they would insinuate crucifying... Or maybe it's not even an insinuation of crucifixion at all. Maybe maybe Kyle would be sacrificed exactly like Jesus was to atone mankind and womankind and other kind of their sins. Maybe Kyle Odom was here to save us from our sins. Yes, or to... Uh, well, I mean, that's one of the great... Um conversations that we've had for the last 2000 years is what, what does the sacrifice of Jesus mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, atonement, 
washing of sins, whatever. This guy has, obviously has a lot of... It's funny how this this religious imagery finds its way into these sort of supernatural... Um, it seems like religion is, is kind of the only way that we can linguistically define these incredible experiences that happen. And with somebody who, who is of a Christian mindset, they probably translate all these sorts of experiences into into that frame into that framework yeah i'd agree it sets the foundation for how they process and the religion itself is based on stuff and i'm actually going to talk about that because that's kind of what my stuff's all about later and this is fun this is actually going to tie into that but um yeah the religion and the spiritual and the divine and the but this this crazy shit that happens it all goes down this crazy shit whenever you go to a different frequency that's the only thing you have, the only toolbox you have to, de- to define what the fuck's going on. But anyway, please continue. Uh, the reason I did uh, ring the coin the two times was the voice entering your head. Uh, that is something that has also um, happened to myself. I think I've left voicemails on Bowl After Bowl about it before. It was a woman's voice, not my own, talking to me. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> uh, nice. And then Someone uh, astral projected into you. I, I don't know why they'd be trying to astral project into my body while I'm on an airplane trying to leave uh, Winnipeg. <laughs> Happened in Canada. Well, if I was flying around, I'd want to abduct someone in an airplane because they really can't go anywhere or do anything about it. Right. And if they did, they'd... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if I, I'd freak out to the point where I'd make the person freak out to where the, the the plane would be forced to throw them off the plane. They'd make them walk the plank off of the plane. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and then the second thing was, you're going to be uncomfortable. All you have to do is breathe. Where did we hear just breathe for the past? Well, I guess it was more like a, a year and some change ago. And there's a lot of conversation about, I can't breathe. All you have to do is breathe. Just breathe. You can't breathe because COVID's going to take you down. Mm-hmm. So, I just uh, thought that was interesting. Um, here we go. A few minutes later, so he's having this panic attack after this woman is inside of his head, uh, saying that he's going to be sacrificed like Jesus and get beheaded. A few minutes later, some man knocked on the door. I answered and he gave me a pamphlet talking about the sacrifice of Jesus. My mind started racing out of control and I became completely delirious. I thought for sure I was going to die. My thoughts shifted to my family and all I could think about was seeing them again. They were in Albuquerque at the time. So I decided to buy a one way ticket there. You were talking about uh, your last name and the uh, Don Quixote showing up in the mm-hmm. video game. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when he reaches, uh, when I reached the Spokane airport, my panic subsided. Everything was fine until I got on the plane to Albuquerque. I sat next. By to the this- way, the j- just real quick, the CDA mm-hmm. Idaho is a it's a beautiful, I guess, uh, lakeside city that's right just east of Spokane. Oh, Washington, Co- Coeur d'Alene. Uh, Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene. Okay. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Nice. Uh, Spok- I, you know, this part's of Spokane I like a lot. It's a beautiful part of the world. Um, a lot? It's way out in the fucking boonies, but it's, it's a beautiful part of the world. A lot of meth out that part. Yeah. yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, everything was fine until I got on the plane to Albuquerque. I sat next to this huge man who kept telling me, in parentheses telepathically, that he was going to crash the plane. <gasps> Spooky. With no survivors. <laughs> every time he spoke, every time after he spoke, he would sniff empathetically. I didn't know what to do, so I just sat there trying to stay as calm as possible. The man became angry about this and started touching my leg. The second he touched me, I could feel him inside of my mind. This caused me in, uh, caused me to panic until I was on the verge of causing a scene. Before I did anything, he told me to calm down and said, You did a great job. You passed. Go enjoy your family. We have a job waiting for you when you get back. I thanked him and I felt slightly relieved, but I had no intention of contacting him at all. My only thought was to get as far away from him as possible. After getting off the plane, I headed to the baggage claim. A huge group of them surrounded me there. I watched them cautiously. Then they all began sniffing at me. The sniff is something they do all the time. I think it has something to do with dominance. Well, 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 where have we seen that before? I Well, 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 indeed. Well, 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 indeed. I wonder where. Could I we wonder have- who set that precedent. Is this mic on? I guess. Anyway. But our patience is wearing thin. Yeah, uh, the sniffer in chief. Yeah. Yeah. Families that are coming. Yeah, I'll bet. End. Stop. Done. Over. Not going to do it. Oh, Lordy. Yeah, that's exactly the first dude that I thought of. Biden mm-hmm. sniffing people. Mm-hmm. Come here, I want to. <laughs> President Dominic. still Jesus. does, too. They have to cover it up. It's great. He never, he doesn't stop. It's great. Anyway, please continue. Uh, through, the, through the meal of this uh, manifesto. The- so I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. <laughs> And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. That's the single greatest thing that he's ever said. And by greatest, I mean the worst. That's the worst thing he's ever said. And the fact that he's president after saying something like that is so fucking bewildering to me. But anyway. (laughs) America, fuck yeah. Oh, man. Jesus. Yep. (laughs) Oh, Lordy. All right. Uh... After getting off on the plane, okay, they were smoke, uh, they were sniffing me. The sniff is something they do all the time. When I finally got my bag, I left the airport as fast as I could. My parents were right outside waiting to pick me up. I was so happy to see them. I gave them big hugs and told them how much I loved them. This was my last happy moment in Albuquerque, however. They follow it, followed us everywhere we went after that. Whenever I saw one, they would sniff at me to let them know it was them. They would also smile, <laughs> laugh, and stick their tongues out. Funny. Yeah. <coughs> Maybe they're just cokeheads. But all right. <laughs> Could be a crackhead. Crack cocaine. Uh as time went on, they started coaxing me to go outside alone. I was scared to death that they would kill me, so I refused. Eventually they threatened to harm my family, which caused me to give in to them. I told them I would do whatever they want if they left my family alone. They responded by saying, Go to church. I knew they meant the altar, so I agreed to go when I got back. When I went to the altar for the first time, the people acted very strange. It was unhuman. As I walked into the sermon room, everyone stared at me and began sniffing empathetically. Needless to say, I was scared as hell, but I took a seat. 
When the service began, a man came and sat ne- uh, sat down next to me. After he sat down, I began smelling something. It was a smell I had never smelt before. The only thing I can compare it to is a reptile and vinegar. Mm. After smelling it, <laughs> after smelling it, I became uh, became very uncomfortable. I tried to remain calm and just sat there quietly until the service was over. Uh, when the service ended, they said, you can leave now. After that, I knew I wasn't dealing with the government anymore. I realized that whoever I was dealing with was extraterrestrial. So I became very scared. So cold as to be almost reptilian. Mm. Takes one to no one. <laughs> what more can I say? <coughs> Unity. I received no further instructions from them after that, so I began applying for jobs again. Even though I had done exactly as I was told, they still followed me everywhere I went. As time went on, they started harassing me day and night. I began to hear voices more often, and I began to hallucinate things uh, that I knew weren't real. They also started playing with me sexually. Both the mm. males and the females would play out their sexual fantasies in my mind. Mm. Oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Uh, I love sexy aliens. I'm sorry. I just can't I can't get enough. Yes, he believed he was drugged and then raped by Taylor Swift. Oh, nice. That's not a fucking... You're not allowed, by the way, just letting the aliens know. <laughs> it's not... That doesn't... That's not consent. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Uh, this came with random and uncontrollable erections as well as extreme anal stimulation. C brain and be, uh, brain and behavior and Martian tech. <laughs> um, so he really thinks it's Martians. Yeah, he's he's certain on. It. He's got this whole uh, portion where he talks on Mars. about the, he talks about the history of Martians and how they came to planet Earth, how they came to be here. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's true. Is that did you did you is, is that later on? Yes. Oh yeah. That's uh that's way that's like in a whole another section. That's a whole other part. Wow. Oh, nice. Mm. It's good to get a clarification because when they talk about aliens, aliens is a very vague term when you're talking about extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. It could be from a different galaxy, a different solar system, a different, um, you know, chunk of the universe. But when you're talking, when you confine it to our solar system, you say, okay, yeah, they're from Mars. Then you go, okay, cool. That That explains why they didn't have to travel at least, you know, Four, eight, ten, twelve light years, I think, is the closest stars to us. I, I am the foremost expert on this subject, and I can tell you there are only two types of aliens. There's the third kind and the fourth kind. Okay. And what did you do the with the first two. and second kind? No, we just started at three. Oh, That's so how advanced they are? Well, I think, Steve, I, I think Mr. Spielberg just said that he created aliens. Well, he's, he knows about him. He's made two of the, you know, the ultimate alien movies. Uh, have you ever been contacted by extraterrestrials, Mr. Spielberg? No comment. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, all we, right. We are, we're almost there. I can, we can blast through this or we can get through this uh, next page and then. Put a, a a feather in the book until next time. Um, well, let's finish off this page at least. 
The harassment continued for weeks and intensified as time went on. I did my absolute best to maintain my sanity and try to avoid them. This worked for a while, but eventually I had a huge meltdown. One day, I was in the bakery at Safeway when I got surrounded by a bunch of old men. I was in a bakery. and uh, Excuse me. Some of them looked at me and sniffed. <laughs> so I knew it was them. They started stimulating my penis and anus simultaneously. Wait a minute. This isn't Mars. This is just the Catholic Church. I, I, hey, man. I, Sorry, I was that a spoiler I alert? I don't. Wanna, I didn't mean to spoil it. I know COVID wasn't around at the time, the chronology here, but is there a chance that he was maybe just everybody had a bad cold? He had COVID, you think? I don't think so. I... There is a couple of Allergies, things that maybe like, pollen. I know when I sniff a lot when there's pollen around. Oh man, I don't. There's nothing that screams COVID. There's nothing that screams this. Uh, I just I th- I thought it was funny that he wrote this beginning in Moscow, Idaho. You should cancel him for that alone. Um, but yeah, with the sniffing oh, and Russian the, potatoes and the and the breathing. I mean, it, I'm thinking I'm thinking a there's a, a papal source to all of this extraterrestrial. Um, tomfoolery. But anyway, please continue. You've got you've got a page left here. Yes. Uh, so they started stimulating my penis and anus simultaneously. Then they spoke aggressively. Yeah. They said, "Humans are nothing more than the result of a successful genetic experiment. You are a threat to the way these people think, and you can no longer be free in society. Your life is over. You are nothing but a toy. Your purpose." Now is to suck their penis. <laughs> All right. And I think we will, uh, they, they continued on to say other explicit things that were so obscene that he will not repeat them here. Oh, too yeah. explicit. Yeah. yeah. And right. we okay. will put the bookmark in on the manifesto and save it for next week. Episode we'll 80. Tuck a feather in there. Yeah. Yes. Ooh, to be wow. continued. To be continued. Or the manifesto. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. We'll oh, start at the sexy goodness. stuff. You know, and we'll go from there. Yeah. I like it. Sounds like a plan, Stan. Wow. What a, okay, you know, else? even if it isn't true, what a piece of literature. And, and if it is true, then what a piece of literature. <laughs> What a guy! Any literature with P's and A's being stimulated, you know. Yeah, I guess, Martians. I I, I, that's not the kind of movie I do. I I, I usually stick to the PG thirteen, but uh, well, if but I did you the liked, rated R or, the, or even the triple X. That's uh, you know, that'd be the kind of thing I would be making. That's the domain. Of, yeah, if you were to make the triple X movie, that's the kind of movie you'd make. But because because with you, the aliens always come in peace. Well, they come. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, they would exactly. in the in the in the R-rated version. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Cheese equals oh, kissing. No. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an art. It's a science. Some screen mails. Surely. Uh, I believe this is where we're at. Spooky. God. Is that motherfucking Star Trek? Yeah, of course. Oh, shit. I didn't hear it. Let me you try that again. Uncultured swine. Let me try it again. 
Oh, yeah, I hear it there. I hear it there. <laughs> Talking about reading somebody's mind, I was, uh, we were in Tampa, Florida, and this was, uh, like three tours ago. I was hanging out with a friend of mine, audio engineer, or a front of house audio mixer. And we were sitting there at the bar in the hotel, and someone said something about Dragon Ball or whatever. And uh, it was sort of a diss, or they didn't watch it, and and we both locked eyes. And to the person that was talking about the Dragon Ball, we simultaneously said, uncultured swine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like perfectly in tandem. Uh, I love that shit. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, It's a great uh, term to call someone or something. Yes, I agree. Uh, I don't think this next caller is uncultured swine. Ooh, ooh! Kind that was a hey. that one under, underwater. They left that voicemail underwater from in a bathtub. Anyway. Yeah, uh, sounds like James Brown or something. Uh, the bubbles. Hey, uh, give it to me on the one, on the one. I like, I, I like James Brown. Uh, he's he's no John Williams, but he was he's a he's a stand up guy. <laughs> yeah, well, John Williams is no James Brown either. You know. I talk to John Williams every day on the phone, and I just kind of hum his songs that he's already made for me over the decades over and over and over until he gets so annoyed with hearing the same songs he's already made for me that he has to make a new one for me to hum to him. And, and you know, that's been our relationship for 40 years now. Wow. And he did, all, he did the whole score for the original 1960s Lost in Space television show. That's where I first found out about him. Really? Now, that's a deep cut, yeah. Mr. Spielberg. I want to, let's do one more. Let's do one more and then we'll hit the rest of them after intermission, after our Freaks of Hazards donation segment. Sounds good. 612-263-7999. We want to hear what you got to spill. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Did you know that John Williams had a son named Sherwin? (laughs) Think about that one. Sherwin Williams. (laughs) 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 That was a good one. Nice. Well played, caller. Well played. Good one, brah. I don't know if John Williams had a son uh, that, that I ever met, but yeah, I, I, this is... You know, Demi Moore had a daughter named Kelly. Sorry. I thought she had a daughter named Hump Me. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say Philly. <laughs> I thought, so, uh, actually, John, uh, doesn't Steven, uh, excuse me, Mr. Spielberg, you have what some would label like, as a uh, either brave or slash problematic daughter. Oh, uh, do you was there is there anything you'd like to say about her before we uh, start this intermission? Uh, not not really. Uh, I do have some more Hollywood related things I'd like to say before I I call this call this interview to a close. And I did actually pull some clips of a director that I'm really look up to and aspire to be. Uh, my favorite director, uh, 
I, I pulled a 60 minutes interview of him if we have time to go through. I got I got three sh- brief clips on that. Do we you know, want to hit him before we take a break? Lavish, any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three three clips. Kind of, yeah, kind of brief. Um, now, let me ask you, what, what was your favorite movie of, of that I've made of your guys? I know a lot of people say Saving Private Ryan. But that movie only happened because Tom Hanks did some wet work for me, and I just I owed him a gig. I I would I kind of sleptwalk through making that movie. I will say Tom Hanks. That's it's ET. That's my favorite movie. ET that I did. You bred raptors. Yeah. Well, I mean, hand inseminated them. Jurassic Park was that? Is that your favorite one? The the original? I like the second one because of Vince. Vaughn. Not only is that my favorite movie that you've done, it's my favorite movie. Well, it's my second. All right, I'll admit, it's my second favorite movie of all time. My first, first favorite second, movie of all time is the second the one Warriors. Warrior. I keep saying that to people at work. I'm carrying around these big chains that we use for rigging. I'm swinging these chains around. Warriors! Warriors! Come, <laughs> come out, out and play! play. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but number two is easily, squarely, absolutely Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park 2. Jurassic Park. Park. Uh, Lost World with Jeff, with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and uh, where you ripped off the whole plot of King Kong. Yep. Yeah, yes, that was but, a good one. See, Jurassic Jurassic Park, great film. I, I loved working on the first two, especially, but the second one, Vaughn. I love Vince. Well, I used to anyway until he took Oh, Vaughn, dude. Paul, but. He was so good as the uh, as the muscle. You know, he had a gun the whole time, and he was such a, yeah. like a badass in that movie. And, and they, those hold up, those Jurassic Park movies. And now, you know, now the Jurassic World series, we have Chris Pratt on board. And yeah, even those now, suck. That, that whole series, they, they, well, no, because they help, they help convince children and the general public, the broader public, that dinosaurs were real. But we, that's, that's really the, the whole purpose behind I'm, I'm those I'm sorry, movies. did you just say convince the general public that dinosaurs were real? Well, mostly convince the children because if you raise them young thinking that dinosaurs used to exist, then the, then they'll grow up and it's the long con. Yeah, yeah, you get them when you're young. Much like the Catholic Church, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. Yeah, or even, uh, Woody Allen. Or Woody Allen. Like I said, I'm, I'm close to Or the recent Disney grooming thing. You know, how Disney has all these groomers and stuff and they support. Anyway, I got, yeah, yeah. I got a new, a new project I'm working on. Tom Hanks and I are, we've gotten into boxing. So we're actually going to set up a, a, uh, a, a a boxing practicing area, but it's also going to be a daycare. Oh. Tom, Tom Hanks and I are going to run daycare. Yeah, and we're going to call it Kid Gloves. I like it. Yeah. Cool. So that was mostly Tom's idea, but you should do a Bitcoin model where we can where you can pay for it in Bitcoin. You could call it Kid I don't, Bits. I don't, I don't, what is it? Bit, bit Bit what? Ask Zach. He'll know. I never heard Zach. What's a bit? What is it called again? Uh, it's called a Bitcoin? a bit. Uh, b- uh, Bitcoin. 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 Yes. What is that like? Like you like what you put in a vending machine to get sodas, soda pops. <laughs> Soon. The um, uh, what's uh what the what's the clips you got? Let's hit the clips. Yeah, yeah uh, once you so, them yeah, clips. Like my, my like I said, my favorite director of all time. Just an incredible guy. Love his work. He's he hasn't made a bad movie ever. 
In fact, he's directed some of the greatest films ever. So he was on 60 Minutes. I figured I'd just uh, give a quick rundown of my personal hero in the directing in it, and really the, the greatest director of all time, I think. Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark and its two sequels grossed well over a billion dollars. Jaws made millions as it terrified swimmers all over the world. Close Encounters, Back to the Future, all... Oh, you know what? By the way, Jaws, people don't know this one. Uh, Jaws, originally, it was another typo with my my typewriter. I wasn't that good back then. Jaws was actually, I was I called it Jews, originally. And I sent it in the studio, and oh. I didn't know it was a typo. And we didn't catch it. We didn't. Nobody caught the mistake till three days before shooting, so we just had to wing it. Uh-huh. Originally, it was going to be about two two Orthodox Meshuganas running a deli in the Bronx. Uh-huh. So they said, "No, it's Jaws," and I was like, and oh. "Like, oh no, you got to set it on the in New England or wherever." Yeah, yeah. no, no wonder that uh, that shark machine always broke down. He probably had to whip it together so fast. Yeah, John I mean, Williams, how are you supposed to? John Williams tie saved that my Jewish ass on this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, E.T. Same thing. E.T. I was quick being a little hasty with a typewriter. We we actually set out to make a suspenseful airplane movie, and the E.T. stood for extra turbulence. Mm, mm. It was, but we were just going to do Jaws again. But this time the shark was on the airplane instead of the ocean. Uh, and was it like a B fifty two that was going to fight well, the Nazis or something, or a little yeah, Cessna? And the, a by the time they brought know. that typo to my attention, we you know we already had the, we were in the middle of. Now we're, we're, we had to film it anyway, and I already had like a you know a, one of those kind of underground gambling debts to the Hershey's Corporation. I had to work Reese's in anyway, so that's that's how ET came about. We yeah. don't do ads here, so if you can refrain from saying Reese's or M and M's or anything like that, we, we would appreciate it. Yeah, we've swimmers got- all over the world, Close Encounters, Back to the Future, all big box office hits, and of course there was ET the number one box office success of all time. So far, it's taken in $700 million. So you would think Steven Spielberg wouldn't have any doubts about himself or his movies. I have doubts about myself uh, in both worlds. Fake news. Thinking that you can't pull it off. Yeah. Every movie I I, I make, at every movie I start, I don't think I can pull it off. When you go onto a set, in the morning for a movie. You nervous? Yeah, every morning. Yeah. I, you know, the same feeling I get going to work every morning is the feeling I got going to school every day. Being a bit of an outsider and not being normal and not quite getting good grades and not being able to compete. And I, my tummy is... Zach, why did you pull this clip? This is my not mom the clip I asked for. You know, I'd have before school every day. the ones that make I, me look I, cool. I feel that when I make movies, too. But you're better at this than you were in school. Oh, damn, damn straight. Sorry about that. Is that Jeff Bridges doing the interview? 60 minutes, that's... uh. It's not Jeff Bridges, but it is, though. Tracy Morgan, I think. Oh, oh, oh. Nice. Nice. Yeah, they, they brought Back to the Future in that one, too. I don't know if you remember. Do you ever see those movies? Back to the Future? Yeah, Robert well, Zemeckis. like with the time machine? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, originally I mean, that, was, that was a refrigerator. It was originally we were gonna. It was gonna be a refrigerator. They time traveled in, but somebody said that the, like Zemeckis. I was talking to Robert. He's like, man, you know, the the, the car, Bobby, the DeLorean yeah. would be cooler. And I, and well, I thought, I mean, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And uh, and then he, you know, we, we did the. But it was originally it was like we the refrigerator was the original idea, and you'd have to leave it out in the unplugged in the sun, 
And once yeah. the refrigerator got it up to 88 degrees Fahrenheit, you travel through time. But, uh, oh, so the only way you'd stop it from from time traveling is if you plugged it in and kept it cool. Kept it hot. Yeah, 88. You want it hot. You want it 88 hot. degrees. Well, that's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> I don't think a refrigerator <laughs> should be that hot. It's not quite as that's not your typical room to, temperature. You gotta. You're gonna have to go out zero into to the desert. Takes takes them out to get up there. Yeah. Um, well, that's why. It, yeah, because time travel is hard. Doc, he's like, I was gonna have you know, Michael was. I was had. I had the line written. It was just like, Doc, you, we better wait a while. We don't have the the heat outside to get it up to eighty eight. You know. Hmm. Uh, so, so Zemeckis and I are, are working on Back to the Future. We're halfway through filming Back to the Future Two. Where they go into the the future, and uh, in 2015, and Michael Michael uh, J, Michael J. Fox he gets a hold of the script for part three, the ones that's the Wild West one in the 1800s, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he he actually tried to back out of the project because the script was so bad. Right. So I had the key grips. I, I what I had him do is I would I had him slowly increase the amounts of aluminum and other you know very innocuous neurotoxins in his water bottles in his green mm-hmm. room. Just to lower his IQ over enough, to, it was to, testosterone, and it were, and that way he'd agree to mm-hmm. to uh, to be in part three. And uh, yet, genius. I mean, Robert Robert Zemeckis credits that for what caused his Parkinson, but I, I don't see the correlation in that. No, oh, it's it's a brilliant move. I think uh, I'm pretty sure that Coppola did the same thing to Brando in the set of Apocalypse Now. So, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's definitely a classic move. Yeah, after I never saw that movie. Brando after after that one. Holy shit. I don't like <laughs> yeah. watching movies that I didn't make, I'll be honest. After that's why, that's that he, he did I'm the Doctor Doctor uh was it Island of Doctor Moreau? With uh yeah. That was a result of that. Well, if you haven't met Coppola, you know, he's a cool guy, but he's probably a lot I'll like you, that. You know, he's just... <laughs> that's why that's why I say when I hear him, I go, I'll copla to that. Uh <laughs> copla feel. <laughs> uh Anyway, you got any more of this, uh, this 60 minutes? 60 minutes here. It's, uh, yeah. Spielberg's become so important in Hollywood that Lou Wasserman, the chairman of MCA Universal, built this sprawling office complex for him right on the back lot. The $4 million project, which serves as creative home to all of those people who work with Spielberg, was an effort to ensure that Universal would get first dibs on the pictures they turn out. Now, Universal did that for you. You didn't have to put that uh, no, up. Not, not a cent. They built the whole thing for me. And as Lou Wasserman said, when I guiltily turned to him and I said, uh, you know, gee, Lou, this is, this is a big deal. How much is this going to cost? He said, don't worry. It's what E.T. made in Uruguay. So, <laughs> so, you want to try that? Although he's a shrewd businessman, everyone who knows Spielberg says he's still very much like a precocious kid. There you go. Even his office is filled with toys, although they're for the most part adult toys. So we, I mean, we just we we invite a bunch of kids over. We load up my whole office with adult toys, you know, dildos, fucking vibrators. I, I'm and is uh, we're we're, uh, we're still live. Um, I, I mean, I'm not you know trying to kink shame or anything. I just wanted you to know that there were still people listening live in case there was any sort of sensitive information that's uh you may or may not be we've been off i thought we've been off the air for well you said you're not going to post this anyway so it's fine no we aren't so you can say whatever you like uh but now we're yeah we're about yeah we're about halfway through i i uh i i 
I don't like the clips. I thought I had Zach. Zach, I told you to pull better clips than that. I don't like his clips anyway. We can call it. We can call it there. I think. Uh, I I appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, y'all. What am I? I've never said y'all. <laughs> Uh, no, no. What are you? Where are I you appreciate from? you, gentlemen, having me on. It, I know it's been a great honor for you, and uh, I, uh, I might don't don't be sorry if I uh, end up taking some ideas uh, about that that boy that was having rep uh, water reptiles rub his DNA. Yeah, yeah. In his anus, I might make that might be a good move. I don't know. I might, might make that a, a great move. Well, I mean, if you do take the idea, at least call me and see if I can I be in the movie. I mean, I'll be an extra. I'll, yeah. I'll do whatever. I'll be the guy that puts the water in the bucket. Lavish uh, has acting it. chops. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'll, be, I'll be an extra. You get a suck in a big fat dick? I actually met you at Cannes, uh, but uh, you don't remember that. Uh, send me some headshots or uh, or send me some head, and we'll uh, we'll see what I, we can do. Uh, see, this is why <laughs> I stopped doing this. This is where this is where I was. Now I'm remembering why I don't do this anymore. Okay, yeah, I will. I'll call you. You, you gentlemen have a great night and uh, have a good rest of your show there. Thank you, Mr. Spielberg. Take care. Thank and, you, Mr. Uh, Spielberg. We appreciate it. And then uh, we're super excited for Ready Player 100. And and the 98 uh, prequels. And Ready Player 1 million. Oh, I mean, yes. Uh, and 1 million. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> and please, I want to see that James Cameron fight. All right. You, you gentlemen have a good night now. All right. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> I just uh, okay. I'm back. I'm on the call. It's a completely different person. It's Sir Seatsitter. Oh shit! Oh shit! Dude, you just missed Spielberg. Yeah, I I don't know. Believe I missed the interview. Man, where have you been? Typical, typical. (laughs) I know. Jesus. I I was listening to some of it. Yeah, I heard heard a little. I I can't even with this. We got to take intermission, folks. I can't believe you missed all that, dude. Steven Spielberg. Sounds like an asshole. He was an asshole.
call, see if you can figure out what's wrong with this thing. It won't crank up and everything seems to be put together, right? Bill, I'll see you. Okay, stop back by. Don't worry about your boy. He's, he's doing good. It ain't got no gas in it. You see there, Scooter? Things are the simplest things first. King Arthur came a lot, didn't he? I, th I think you mean that he's associated with the court of Camelot. No, it definitely says... King Arthur, Camelot. 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 Yeah, it's, it's his court where he, where he held court. It's, it's a place. All right. But do we know if he came a lot? Or, like, just the same as an average man? Like, about a tablespoon? The only evidence I have in that regard is that he is said to have had one child. Right. So probably not. Probably not.
Destroy a man's spirit, it's through modern art. Hey, come on now, that's taking it too far. Why don't you just kill me? Now, I was exposed to art early on. Uh, I believe it's, uh, it encapsulates the fears of a, no! of a society. No! Um, I believe in uh, these works, the oh facelessness God, represents a cultural fear of no more. immorality through no more anonymity. no no more and uh, please garbage cultural sexuality human condition. This story is about Howard Beale, who was the network news anchorman on UBS TV. In his time, Howard Beale had been a mandarin of television, the grand old man of news with a hot rating of 16 and a 28 audience share. Like a two. 
do. You even think like you do. This is mass madness, you maniac. Turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I think we will figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil prices, but first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say it. Welcome back to second second half of show for Behind Ooh. the Schemes. Hello, again. second Hello. second half of show. That's right. This is where we start getting into some of the <laughs> kind of freakier, deakier stuff. If it wasn't freaky for you, yeah, you haven't seen nothing, son. That was tame. You're talking about Martians giving you reach arounds. Well, guess what? We're gonna get into why why they do that. <laughs> Philosophically, spiritually, yes, it's currently uh, April 11th, 2022, about 9.40 p.m. here on the Pacific Coast, and we are joined by none other than uh, the the wonderfully prestigious host of Abs in a Six-Pack, uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter. I think uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter was one of the first dudes that reached out to me about this show, if uh, memory serves correct. He was I one of the... I reached out to you. I was like, you want to do an episode? And we decided on Bluebeam or something. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was around that mm-hmm. time. You're like, I think it's a food show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a food show. I was show listening to Behind the Schemes. And then you, and you were like, you're talking to Monty and Malachi, I think it was at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a food show. And I was like, well, technically, around that time, we did do a whole episode on food. So that was probably the first one you heard. Probably. <laughs> I did get to squeeze. You guys did a three-parter on Bluebeam, and I was I was in there by the third episode. Is 
when I started actually doing the show, which, by the way, was uh, about a year ago. Yeah, this is true. I think my first episode was like March 20-something, so yeah, it's been an official year for me on the show. Hey, Yay! Yeah. Get some more in there. Yeah. I've been trying to find finger snaps. I think that would oh, be we more. We can do that ourselves. We should just the crowd take an hour. The crowd goes, ah! <laughs> ah! And the Bible tells us that. Plums. Plums or peaches. The Bible tells us that. <laughs> as far as I know, there's no drop that exists of AJ saying plums or peaches, but if there is one, please, someone's God, send it to me. <laughs> Los Limas Primas. Uh, yeah. Well, this is uh, the uh, this is the t- uh, part of the show where we like to thank all of the wonderful freaks of hazards that came out to help produce this episode of Behind the Schemes, uh, episode ninety two. Yes, these are our producers because this is value for value. If we've said before, if you're not familiar with it, you better get yourself read on it. We are public radio, which means we're supported by listeners like you, and you're not listeners; you're producers. You even by giving us your time. You're a producer, so thank you very much. And uh, in the chat, we have a, a nice uh, bot named Gal that was designed by one of the patron saints of the green room, Servo. And uh, it's got a great listener account. Guy, you can check in there. You know, you can see this. There's, there's, there's people tuning in. They're not all in the chat. There's people all over the place. Yeah, it's uh, it's bound to happen with billions upon billions of listeners. Billions and billions. Yeah. But uh, even if you're not in the chat, we appreciate your time regardless. So thank you very much for tuning in to Behind the Schemes. Yes, indeed. And thanks uh, to the uh, I was going to say thanks to the assistance from No Agenda Millennial and uh, In a Millennial, Millennial and uh, Meet Us today. I finally have mirrored everything. I think I've got most of the shows in there that go live, if not at least all the ones I could think of tonight. So everything mm-hmm. everything's getting played. Back on the stream, which is pretty cool. It's, uh, so, uh, yeah, everything from Planet Rage to Behind the Schemes to Bluff to Bowl to Hog Story to No Agenda is all, all like streamlined in there based on a schedule, um, which I'm pretty excited about because that if if nothing else, that gives me a way to listen to everything without having to switch back and forth between streams all the time while I'm driving around for work. Mm, indeed, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely the uh, the the the. The crowning moment of podcast underground, I feel like, where it's happening. You know, it's the there's just the the affiliation in the sense that we uh, we tied our streams together. You know, it's cool across the like streams, it. crossing the streams. Just something they said for us not to do, but we did. And yeah, I'd li- I'd like to give a personal shout out to NA Millennial as well, and meet us, of course, meet us of a uh, Fun Fact Friday. And, uh, meet us pod and, and meet us pod and, uh, NA millennial coming on the scene with his, uh, fantastic show, millennial media offensive or MMO. That called. show has gotten good and it got good fast. I remember like the, didn't we, the first ever episode of it, we covered on, um, on misinformed. Mm-hmm. This is true. But uh, uh, I don't know if it was the first ever, it was like first three or so. Maybe. Yeah. It was the first couple. And, uh, I mean, their audio quality. And just the 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 good the banter and everything that show has like is really good. Yeah, it's definitely at home here on the stream, and I believe they've already had uh, they already followed up NA for a live Sunday slot, which is great. Yes, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're crushing it. So shout out to Nam and Amelia. Yes, 
Indeed, and uh, Mutus was the one that helped us get our stream together. So uh, mm-hmm. we we are always appreciative of that one there, bud. Uh, oh, always. There's a handful of people that we should uh, definitely thank. Uh, first off, Turbo Faggot. He sent us a couple of different things in for tonight's uh, uh, production. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them will be the closing music that uh, we'll use at the end of the show. And I just wanted to say, within the first beat, I knew instantaneously where this song came from. And I fucking love that video, Turbo. I cannot get enough of it. It's, uh, it was, it's this crazy sort of, um, oh, rotoscoping styled video. If you know what rotoscoping is, it's like where they, they draw over, uh, film so they can make, uh, it's how they used to do the lightsabers. Yeah. But it's yeah. the dudes of hazmat waking life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but dudes of hazmat—that's the name of the uh, show on the YouTube's. That's right. It's pretty fun. And deep cuts. The uh, one of the clips, the talking about the fine art that also came from Turbo. It's from the same creator of that cartoon, uh, "How to Stay Positive in the Apocalypse." <laughs> hmm. Well, thank you, Turbo Vegan. We always appreciate. Sending in stuff and, and being in the chat, hanging out. Funny shit to say. Job bless, Turbo. Double Thought sent us a donation via the PayPals uh, for $3.33. Uh, he does a show called Double Thought Dimension, which is also a value for value show featured mm-hmm. on the No Agenda stream. Love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. He 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 sends in a recurring payment of three thirty three, which is extremely appreciated around here. Um, it's uh, he, he consistently comes in, and for that we are very very grateful. And we also are a big fan of his show at doublethoughtdimension dot com. Yes, and uh, I was gonna send him an email about uh, just some stuff that he got me thinking about, uh, but. Yeah, we uh, we love you. We appreciate you. We're glad that you're here, mm-hmm. and uh, support public radio. Uh huh. That's where it's at, people. Underground podcasting, underground radio. Yes, it's and high. we're gonna be seeing uh, we're gonna be seeing a Misfits tribute band here in uh, like eleven days, I believe. Mm. Twelve days. Gravesig. Gravesig. I'm very excited about that. I had a blast last time I went. Also, I was completely toasted. So, <laughs> I, I, I will be driving straight from work and will not have that opportunity this time, but it will not deny me from having a good time. Mm. Mary-Kate Ultra, she sent in a batch of hot, fresh ISOs for tonight's listening pleasures. Uh, she also sent this, uh, I called it a Freaky Deaky. Trash Zine, uh, Zine pick. Zine. Trash Zine pick. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I'm not sure who this crazy looking, uh, motherfucker is, but she's got these long vampire teeth. Mm. Oh, isn't that, uh, fucking, what's her face? Uh, the, the British chick. Oh, uh, Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher. Isn't that Thatcher? It could be. Uh, let's see. La Dama de la Morta. Oh, God. The Dame of Death. Dame of Death. Uh, part of her black history 
Su marido le odia su hijo y, oh, wow, her drug-addicted son. Uh, wow, yeah, the dame of death. Interesting. Nice, uh, nice in from Argentina. Mm, interesting. Hmm. Oh, I see that. Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. There you go. Cool. Very interesting. Well, thank you for that. Um, let me hit you with some of these, uh, <laughs> motherfucking ISAs she sent in. Um, this one, how to cast revenge spells. How to cast revenge spells. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then we got. A, to, I hope there's a later ISO that tells us how. Uh, oh. well, I, this right here, John Lebowitz, white people. And thus, the problem with white people. <laughs> Thanks, John. Is that John Stewart or John? That's John Stewart, whose real name is John Lebowitz. I didn't know that. I thought his real name was Stewart. Nope. Is uh, I think wait, his middle so name. Wait, are Stuart. you telling me that? Does that mean that Stuart Little's name, his real name, isn't Stuart either? I. You mean like chicken? You mean like the Stuart, the little chicken, little Stuart, Stuart chicken? Oh, oh Stuart Little. Stuart dude, Little, the little mouse Stuart. that drives in the little oh, the car. mouse. That's Michael right. Michael J. Fox plays him. Yeah. Fox plays a mouse. How could I forget yeah. that? I. You know, I, I sent you an ISO as well tonight, Booberry. Uh, with my series of clips. It was just an ISO that I had for you. Uh, if you don't mind playing it. Yes. It's called Pencil and Paper Ready. Now get a pencil and paper ready. I will. I'm <laughs> adding oh, that can to I the guess what that's from? You know where that's from? I'm guessing. I might be wrong. But is that from when... Uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, they, they When they first aired uh, the, uh, the Zapruder film on TV. Z- the Zapruder film. Well, it's not from the Zapruder film, but it's what was that? What was the guy's name of that show? Um, whatever. It, Gerald, he, Geraldo was there, and then Dick Clark or something. Not Dick Clark. God, it's kind of a. I'm it's wrong, an older guy. He's fr- this. This clip is a guy from the early nineties. If that helps. Oh, so I'm wrong. I'm twenty years off. Oh, okay. Now this guy. That's that's the godfather of all conspiracy guys. Uh, uh, that's uh, Bill Cooper. Ooh, you know Bill Cooper, right? Better. Yeah. Behold, behold, pale horse. Behold, pale horse. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, that's from his uh, his mystery Babylon series, which uh, I'm going to be presenting a little later. Bringing up old Bill. Bill deserves to be brought up. But anyway, we, we still have more producers to thank. Yes, uh, we had another one called Mac and Cheese Packet that MK Ultra sent in. You have to rip open that powdery cheese packet and pour it in. <laughs> <laughs> pour it in. <laughs> rip it uh, open. Was that her there, or was that the clip? <laughs> let's tr- let's see. Uh, you have to rip open that powdery cheese packet and pour it in. Matter, but it's funny, <laughs> dude. Is there a, is there a grosser phrase in the English language than powdery cheese? Powdery cheese, Ugh. Mm, dude. I wonder if gross. I wonder if you could snort powdery cheese. Though. Oh my! The answer is yes, you can. <laughs> Last time I yeah. checked, this is America. Usually when you snort stuff like Coke, it works as a laxative, but when you snort cheese, it probably is the opposite. Constipate you. Yes, definitely. 
Uh, there was uh, two more that we should hit. Uh, God, I lost them in the in my list. Uh, Hunter Biden blames his downfall. Hunter Biden says he was drinking a quart of vodka a day and smoking crack around the clock. He blames his downfall on losing his mother and little sister in a car crash when he was two years old. To which I circled back on. Drinking a quart of vodka a day and smoking crack around the clock. I didn't even be able to split that into two. Crack around the clock. Because as we all know, like we really remember everything very vividly that happened to us when we were two years old. Did you, by chance, back off of the mic, sir, sir, seat sitter? Oh, really? I feel like I'm already far away. How's this? No, I'm. Uh, you're getting quieter and quieter. You, oh, I thought you were asking me to back off the mic. No, no, no. no I was. I was asking Sorry. you. Come on to the mic. I uh, I actually sat down with Midnight Mike and and tweaked all my audio settings to kind of get rid of the loudness that I've been having. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, Blue Sherpa software did an update and I lost all my presets. So oh, I gotcha. uh, the, everything I had saved. So hopefully um, I'm still tweaking it back to kind of where we had it. So yes, yeah, at some point I'll have to sit down and spend some time with it. And this last one was the brave little toaster stroke. Hasn't anybody in this dorm heard of a surge protector? Wow. What's happening? Sitkenstein is searching through all my files. Searching through regions heretofore only dreamed of by man. Ooh, that feels sort of good. What does? My memory banks are being stroked. And by an expert, I feel something something happening inside of me, and I can't keep it to myself any longer. Who put out Brave Little Toaster? I like, well, that was a book, wasn't it, originally? Children's book? Probably. Sounds like it. I really like that. I so, ooh, that feels good if you just snip that little bit out for like a drop. Nice. Or there's something happening inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I was just seeing if by chance Steven Spielberg was uh, involved with this movie, but it doesn't look like it. He's involved with everything. Hyperion Pictures, the Kushner Lock Company, Buena Vista Pictures, distributed it. Hmm. I don't see any specific studio. By the way, that was not an edit in that 60 Minutes piece. There actually was like, like talking about the adult toys he has. And it really explained what that meant. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Okay. Oh, Lord. Well, thank you for well, all thank the... Thank you uh, very much for the ISOs, MK Dolce. <laughs> we appreciate it. I'll uh, go back through the uh, little toaster and get some. Get some! Yeah. Uh, big shout out. You, you're you're wonderful, and and you're great. So, thank yes, you. Yes, and uh, I forgot to add it to the list, but Mink Heroism was the one responsible for sending that a... Uh, uh, oh, my God. Uh, network. Uh... Mashup. Oh, Make Heroism sent that? Oh, nice. He, he found it on the Free Music Archive. Um, so it's not, oh. it's not his creation, but I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was very cool. Oh, we, we might want to add him to the, to the list. Yeah, I'll, uh, I can circle back on that. We'll circle when, back on that. Circle back. Yeah. 
after we- uh, pressing forward, I would like to thank Sharky. Yes. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, he sent in a whopper of a donation. He is, he's, he's decapitating people all over the place. Uh, yeah, we need, we need that. Sharky, Sharky. coming in with $90.12 friggin' cents. Land shark. Plumber. You know, I wanted to have this be here for when he does this. So this is perfect. This is great. Uh, uh, Candy Graham. Shark? Candy Graham. Flowers. Steven Spielberg directed that movie. I don't. I didn't order any flowers. <laughs> oh, a telegram. Okay. Okay. <laughs> God damn it! Thank you, Sharky. You beautiful, magnificent bastard. Thank you so much. It's so <laughs> awesome uh, to to get something like that. So thank you very much. That definitely helps us keep the lights on. Uh, and uh, and yeah. It's going to help the show. It all goes to the show. Every dime we make goes directly back into the show. Yep. And uh, there's there's a lot of things that we are looking and we're considering. It's all stuff that we want to pick up that we can then turn around and uh, turn it into something that we can all enjoy, whether that yes. be ways to stream movies together, whether that be ways of like playing uh, retro games on the stream somewhere. Whether mm-hmm. it be sticker makers, movie nights, yeah, uh, button makers, uh, tech, and and everything, it's it's really, really, really awesome. We really, really appreciate it, and and yeah, we we've got big ideas what we're gonna do. Yeah, it all helps. It all it all contributes to it. So thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, coming in next was Sir Manny. He sent us that sweet, sticky, icky, evil donation of $6.66. Sir Manny. Sir Manny with the 666. Hail Satan, Sir Manny. That is very Satan-y. Very Satan-y. Very Satan-y. Yeah, Sir Manny. Always good to hear from you, sir. Yes, we appreciate it. And uh, he's one of uh, one of the earliest producers of the show. That, that, yes. Uh, Stepped out of the woods in the middle of the night, a creepy fog on the ground, scattering the light. Yeah. He's, he sends us some some uh, some great stories about what what he's doing and and where he is in life and and by golly, we we always love uh, having having a man having him around and yeah, super super appreciate because he has contributed quite a bit to the show. So thank you very much, sir. We really appreciate it. If you have, let us know. Let us know what you're doing. Send us an email. Uh, boo at behind the schemes or lavish at behind the schemes.com and let us know what you're up to. Yes. That's uh anybody can reach out, reach out to us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should also thank our boosters that came through. Oh, uh, we've had the boosters. quite a few people throughout the week. And then, uh, some come through for this episode. The, the sound did play, but I didn't think to go back and announce what it was. So mm-hmm. we might, we might catch it again. But uh, this is the list of people that came through. We had, going all the way back, Boosting You Bitches with 1111 from Fountain and its dame, DeLorean. DeLorean. 
and she was boosting episode 75, Make Acid Rain, Not War. Then she came in again with another 1111 through Fountain saying, boosting you bitches <laughs> for episode uh, 90, Access Evil. Uh, so we thank you for that, uh, Dame DeLorean. We appreciate it. They'll have their show thank tomorrow you, night. Dame, Dame, hope you're well, Dame. Dame, Dame, Dame. Over in the great city of Kansas. Kansas City. Uh, coming in next was Cotton Gin with the 333 via Fountain saying hello. And he did that twice, so for a total of 666. Nice. Cotton Gin. He was the MVP for the uh, for the the end of show, no agenda show that they had, where they played 152 end of show mixes. Oh yeah, and he was there in the in the troll room, and he was given he was like he's doing what Servo does in uh, Sewer Chat, where he, he posts like the info of the of the song. Oh wow! And he did that for every single one. So nice. He was super shout out to Cotton Gin for for doing that. That was awesome, and for of course boosting the show and being an incredible uh, force around here. Yep, and he works with Servo all the time with Gal too. Hmm. They played all three of my COVID mixes on that COVID episode, and one I didn't even remember that I had made. But the <laughs> one they didn't, they did. They played the Elton John Ruhan Fru. They did not play the one I sent to Adam titled "Extra Racist Version" in parentheses, where I did the whole thing in an Asian Asian accent. That did not make it from the deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh lordy, uh, Sir Spencer sent four twenty. He boosted episode 91 with Fountain saying test boost. Oh. Teased. And, and then Servo sent in 333 sets saying teased using teased. boost CLI. And then he sent this one. I don't know how much of this he wants me to read, but it says uh, with 100 sets, testing their C message limit, 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 testing their C message limit. Mm. <laughs> Etc. How many times did it say that? I'm not gonna count. <laughs> so a lot. <laughs> uh, then I tested. I test boosted myself a couple times. Fuck me. Uh, Quirkus sent 666 sets using Fountain, saying, "Boosting your souls straight into Hades, mofo's." With the what is that? That is the devil. That's an oni and the black heart. Don't put that bad juju on me now. <laughs> Don't put that juju oh, on me. Don't do what that do to Crooked. Crooked's now. Nice. We appreciate that. I wonder, is that Quirkus's first? Yeah, that was Quirkus's first boost, I think. It's hard for oh, me to man. tell because I lost all of the other, uh, all the boost information, sadly. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hey. Blue hair. So we appreciate that. And then, uh. I have blue hair. Oh, shit. Sir Spencer is back on the attack. He sent 3,333 cents. He said, congrats on the fountain leaderboard boost placement, fellas. Keep killing them. Thanks, Sir oh, Spencer. Yeah, Spencer. If you want to be like me, a loser, just go ahead and podcast. Yes. We're all in that game. Uh, thank you, Sir Spencer. Bowl after bowl. Host with DeLorean every Tuesday night. Token Tuesday. That's it, tomorrow. It is tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Yep. 9.30 Central. Who else we got, boobs? Uh, 10,690 sets via Boost CLI from Servo saying, bless your balls. 
Bless your ball, Servo. Holy shit. That's servo. We were- uh, you, if you bless your own balls, it's BYOB. <laughs> Please, this is a BYOB party. If you're going to bring your balls, bless them yourself. Yes. We don't, we don't want any cross-blessing. Yeah, we won't be blessing balls on site. And then uh, the last person that we had come through was Net Ned with the 1111 through Fountain. So many Fountain folks. Holy shit. And it says, Fountain's where it's at right now. Well, that seems long. Dot, 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 dot. That's what she said. <laughs> Net Ned with the lines and the innuendo. Thank you, sir. Mm. We appreciate it, everybody. Yeah, great, great dude. No yeah. Doubt. And that's all the, the boost in that we get. This is the podcasting 2.0 uh, future that we all live in. We are all compliant. Yes. Not, but- well, we'll get you compliant. Well, you we'll, know, you'll, yeah. Yeah. We'll, you'll we'll, comply eventually. Yeah. We're going to get you. We're going to whip you into shape. You'll be uh, compliant. <laughs> head over to BehindTheSchemes.com, S-C-H-3-M-3-S. Check us out. Find out different ways to help support value for value entertainment, whether it be through time, treasure, talent, artwork, clips, ISO, memes, uh, everything. All of it helps. We greatly appreciate it. We love you all. And uh, thanks again. Oh, God bless all this money. Everyone donated lavishly. Thank you. There, that's how you make the money. That is- that's how you make the money. That's how you make the money. Yeah, I got jalapenos out behind the pool. So you guys know about the mystery schools. Have you, have you, have you guys, do you guys, have you guys ever looked into the pale horse and all that Bill Cooper stuff? We're talking about like Golden Dawn and stuff like this, or what? What's a mystery school? We're talking about Golden Dawn. We're talking about the ancient religions that control the world, and they and they they do it through all all the main religions. They all have something that's from this ancient old religion that goes way back to the times of Babylon and Atlantis that seeps through into everything, and it's all around us all the time, and we take it for granted. It's on the so dollar. Having- it's on everything. Talking about like the Rotary Club or the IRS? All of that. All of that. <laughs> the IRS, the Rotary Club, the Freemasons, uh, the Shriners, the, the, the Shriners and the Jesuits and the Catholics <laughs> and, and Islam and, and the, and the Jews and all those guys. They all Illuminati. take it. The Illuminati. They all take Illuminati. it from this ancient. Mystery Babylon religion, according to Bill Cooper, William Cooper, who was the host of the Hour of the Times uh, back in the day. This is decades ago now. And he has a series of, you know, he was working with tapes back then. Good old tapes. And uh, he would broadcast from his radio station and he would record the tapes and then he would sell the tapes. And he had his own little organization of like conspiracy people. And he claimed that he had agents in his group that would infiltrate the lodges and they would initiate themselves into all of these different secret societies and collect information. And he would take all that info and he'd, he'd break it down and he'd. It sounds like the young global leaders. <laughs> yeah. We have He's like the grassroots version of that. Penetrated the cabinets. We have penetrated cabinets all over the world. All over the world. And that's that's what he claimed to do. And this is in the early 90s. 
And this guy, he was operating out of California. I think he was broadcasting out of San Diego. And he had associates up here, kind of where I'm at. And uh, they they were very involved. Because in, in Hollywood and, and in San Francisco, there's a lot of that. A lot of this old crazy shit. Um, but it's all symbolism. It's symbolism that we all know and see all the time. Uh, I'm going to, let's see. Let's play this first uh, Mystery Schools clip. Just Just what... Bills is going for when he's trying to look for these answers. Mr. Schools one, please. Uh, I believe. Hold on, I did the. I gotta pull your list up. Give me two seconds, Mr. School yes. ones. Yes, there we go. You know, it was also widely reported that nope. Bill had a, a friendship or one. business or some. Uh, Mystery Schools one searching for answers. Searching for answers. And of course, one discovery leads to another. And every time I answered a question, a hundred more popped up until I reached a point, dear listeners, where I realized that if I studied for the entire rest of my life, there is not enough time in my life to learn what it is that I need to know. But I have learned enough along the way to impart some of my knowledge to you and maybe you can help me find the ultimate truth that all of us ultimately learn to look for. Although not all of us ever realize that we are looking, and most of us never even understand what it is that we are looking for, but some of us do understand that we are looking. The adepts or the initiates, the priesthood of the mystery school, believe that they have found it and that they know all of these things. And I'm not really sure that they do. Because in my search and my ultimate illumination, (laughs) and yes, I have become, to a degree, illumined or illuminated, I have discovered that I am more illuminated than most of those who have gone through the process of initiation in the mystery schools and believe that they know more than I do. And it's not true. I have surpassed them by so far, and they believe that they are so far ahead. Damn. Level 34. He seems pretty confident. Level 34, sir. <laughs> pretty humble, uh, humble brag there. A humble brag indeed. This guy he really thinks that he's he's got it figured out. Uh, and he has some very, very interesting things to say. Um, but I guess I should just ask, first of all, when I think, when you hear the words mystery Babylon, what, what's your take on Babylon? When somebody won't stop talking. Babylon. <laughs> exactly. I guess I'll keep on Babylon. Babylon. If I'm not getting it confused with a different ancient civilization, it was, and I think I'm right about this, but I might be getting it confused with something else. But I remember uh, the atheist community and like archaeologists set out to prove that Babylon was a fictional place to disprove the Bible, and they actually ended up uncovering Babylon in the process of it. Is that accurate? I think that sounds about right. Yeah, it reminds me. They of have like, uncovered uh, it. I guess the first association that I make is like Hollywood Babylon, 
where, uh, you know, it's kind of like a debaucherous, hedonistic, sort of godless wasteland. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not quite Sodom and Gomorrah, but it's, you know, halfway there. It's the it's the father city of all pagan cities. Yeah, it's very- the great whore, you know, that they say. And they talked about it in Revelations. They have a sort of a mystery Babylon little quote in there that the Christians really like to cling to. And I was bringing this stuff up, and I was listening to the No Agenda stream. And after the last show, uh, the uh, – what show was on? The Canary Cry News mm-hmm. was on. And those guys actually ended up bringing up Mystery Babylon on their show, for that show. And they talked about a guy, his name was like Mike White or something. And uh, he said, well, you know, Mystery Babylon was pretty much explained by Mike White. So that we don't need to talk about that. So I was like, I was curious. I was like, who is this guy? I looked him up, and it's basically like an uber-Christian guy who just spends like 10 hours dissecting revelations, which You're talking honestly, about Canary Cry Radio, probably? Or Canary, Canary Cry, Cry Radio, show? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they, they knew all about this guy. And that, that to me is like, okay, so you're just, you're just reading the Bible. Like, you know, we're going, we're talking about other stuff other than just this, like two chapters in the Bible that we're going to completely rely on all our information for. It seems like mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, narrowing your, I don't know, what, what would you call it? You know, it's, you're narrowing your, your level of information that you're dissecting when you're talking about the, the subject. Right, you're not getting, uh, you're not going, it's definitely not going for all the sources you can. You're just, no, you're not bringing in all this other stuff. You're, you're focusing on one chapter of one book. And, you know, these guys will dissect the Bible all day long. And this guy, Bill Cooper, admittedly, he is a Christian, but he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about the Bible. He talks about, he talks about all these other things that influenced it, the pagan religions of old, that, we're really just worshiping the heavens. You know, his claim is that in in the beginning, you know, when mankind first developed intelligence, the first thing we worshiped was the sun and the moon and, you know, your typical zeitgeist shit. But the the movement of the heavens itself was so important that it actually bleeds into every single fucking thing that we can imagine. And the images that are from these old places, like from Babylon, that were taken by the Egyptians, which were then taken by... Canaan and taken by all these, you know, and it's just, it's the foundation of everything. Um, here, we'll, we'll play a little more of this. Uh, Mystery Schools 2, Mother and Father. Christians have always referred to God as the Father. But viewing God as a Father didn't start here. It goes back far into the ancient world. The reason is, according to the mystery religion, our planet was always viewed as our Mother Earth our mother nature, and that's where all this mother earth and earth goddess comes from in the New Age movement. And since rain, the life-bringing fluid, or the semen falling from heaven, impregnated and brought life to mother earth, it was therefore believed that our father was in heaven. <laughs> it's rain and semen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Never, <laughs> I've never really heard the idea that rain is God's jizz until right now. It is. Father's jizz. That's right. And when you see rain as a symbol in Masonic imagery or whatever, that's what it represents, or storm clouds. It represents an impregnation of the earth. The semen of 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 the Heavenly Father impregnating Mother Earth and giving eternal life, 
which is not for any one individual, but just is, forever. Is that where the Rick and Morty episode concept came from, where Rick gets a planet pregnant? <laughs> I, you know, yeah, it probably is. It probably is. That I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had some shit like that hidden in there. I mean, you can take it that way. Easily take it that way. Can I throw something in before we uh, we continue on? Of course. Because the, uh, so you got the, you know, father in the heavens and the mother earth, mother nature. But yet, it's the circle that's, or the compass, that's considered sacred or heavenly or feminine, right? The compass or yeah. the circle? The uh, the compass, because you would draw a circle with a compass, and then you got the square, which is profane. It's uh, earthly. The sharp edges, yeah, the, the the penis sort of like phallic within a circle is, is extremely common. Like the obelisk or the obelisk or, or whatever, the monolith that you see, like in, like, so let's take the Vatican, for example. If you look at the Vatican... It's an obelisk. It's a penis that's in the middle of a giant circle. Right. It in and of itself is in its own way a kind of a sundial. It's not designed to be that, but that is the basic form of a sundial is the circle and then the penis in the middle. <laughs> Telling time with my dick. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it translates all over. You got that same thing at, at the Washington Monument. You have the, the very direct Freemasonic free imagery of you have the penis, you have this phallic image, and then it's in front of this big pool. And the pool reflects that image, and it shows an as above, so below sort of uh, graphic. You know, when you're looking at it, it's as above, so below. But but do you get what I was saying, though, with the, the circles considered heavenly, and <laughs> Mother Earth would be feminine, which falls mm-hmm. into the circle, which then makes Mother Earth, which is of the Earth, sacred and then the heavens would be the masculine the heavens mm. would be the profane the uh you know the earthly the square the the angles colliding i mean it, it if we I were think, in a heliocentric model then yeah maybe but the earth is flat bro <laughs> right and the, yeah no of circle. course it's a big donut okay <laughs> uh a donut's still a circle well, the, the astrology the ties in with the, with the fucking, when you talk about the heavens, it has, the heavens itself has all these different personalities. The earth is the earth. And then you look up the heavens, there's a great source, and that t- ties with the sun. When you're talking about the greatest forces in the universe, it's represented through the sun. But then in the heavens, you have much more than the sun. You have the moon, you have all of the zodiac, uh, and then you have, of course, everything else. And so the, the heavens themselves represents, it represents the overwhelming sort of force. But with, with masculinity itself, it's usually represented with the sun, or at least with the heavenly father. When you're talking about the father, and then the ankh, in a certain way, with the Egyptian ankh, is kind of a, a combination of both. It's like a prince symbol. The, the top circular part of an ankh is representing the sun, and then the sort of cross-bottom part of it represents the horizon and the reflection of that sun on the water or on the sands. And that represents Mother Earth. And the, the sort of place in between 
is always given certain different names. The the gateway through to divinity, like when they did recover, when those guys went and discovered Babylon, when they discovered the ancient walls, uh, these giant fucking twenty foot high, super thick mud brick fucking walls that used to be this great city. They found the great gates of Babylon as well, including the gates of Ishtar. And they took that, they took the front part of that and they put it in, in uh, Germany. It's in a museum in Germany right now. And they redid it and it, it looks great. And it, you know, you can look it up. It's really quite, quite the spectacle. And the truth is, is it's only one third of the size of, of the thing that it was facading, you know, the thing that's behind it. And they're always uncovering more and more of that shit. But gates are very important, you know, and that ties into rainbows and that ties into the, the idea of Jesus really is, is a sort of a gateway. It's the, it's the, the manly incarnation of divinity, the son of man, the son of God. And Horus actually has a lot of ties to Jesus. Uh, there's a pretty good claim to make and Bill Cooper will make it that Jesus is in a way a reflection of the Horus story from the Osirian cycles of ancient Egypt. If you'll play Mystery Schools 3, Horus. Another interesting point not to be missed concerning Horus. Later in Egyptian history, he was given a second name. Isos. R. Isis. Meaning holder of the light. Still later, in Roman Latin, I became interchangeable with J. So from Isis, we get Jesus. In ancient Egypt, it was said that if you wanted to follow the life of God's Son and thereby live in the light of God's Word, our Logos, one would first have to leave his old ways of life to follow the Son face to the east. But before beginning this new life in the Word, one must die to the old way of life and be born again. George Bush, when asked at a press conference by a reporter, if he was a Christian, Mr. Bush said this, quote, If you're asking if I have been born again, the answer is yes, unquote. <laughs> I like that little quip about George H.W. And, that, and that's interesting in the context of Skull and Bones because don't they like basically make you have a psychological death and you have to die in the skull and bones initiation rituals. Yeah. They put you in a coffin. coffin. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack, we're going to (laughs) watch. It's a death cult. And there is a certain amount of German death cult. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what ancient Egypt, fuck ancient Egypt have to say it obligatory. Uh, what is that? But a death cult, they worshiped, they mummified their dead and they preserved their dead in a way that, Virtually no other civilization since has. And they they laid out extravagant, extravagant gifts for them to and, and materials to take into the afterlife with them. That's right. Preserving their organs and jars. And uh, also wanna... cursing their tombs so that if anybody opens it up, they die. I don't, yeah, I was about to say, I don't want to derail us, but just a quick yes or no from either of you. Do you guys think mummies ever ever re- are real or have ever been real like a that's a strictly egypt phenomenon mummies or mummies? i mean obviously they're real but do you think they like get up and walk around and shit yes 
I don't know. I'm, I'm agnostic on it. Could you? Some this Scooby-Doo seems like a good time real, to, to to jump the gun and play Mystery School Seven: King Tut's Curse. These so-called superstitions, however, it is interesting to note, die hard. In fact, they do not die at all, but insinuate themselves as a discordant note in our matter-of-fact existences. McCall's Magazine published some time ago an article by Edgar Wallace entitled The Curse of Amun-Ra, dealing with the phenomena attendant upon the opening of the tomb of the Pharaoh Tutankhamun. After vividly describing the curse of Amun-Ra, the author sums up the effect of this curse upon those who came in contact with the tomb or its contents. His statements are in substance as follows. At the time the tomb was opened, the party present at the excavations included the Earl of Carnarvon, Howard Carter and his secretary, Dick Bethel, M. Benedite, the French archaeologist, and M. Pasanova. Of these, only one, Howard Carter, remains alive. Now, that was at the time of the article. Colonel Aubrey Herbert, Carnarvon's half-brother, and Evelyn White, who also entered the tomb, were both dead within a year, one by suicide. Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, the radiologist who took an X-ray of the mummy, was also dead within 12 months. And Professor Lafleur of McGill University, the first American scientist to examine the death chamber, did not leave Luxor alive. Wolf Joel visited the tomb and was dead within a year. Jay Gould was taken ill within the tomb and died. Attendants whose duty it was to look after the exhibit from the tomb in the Cairo Museum also sickened and died. Seven French authors and journalists visited the tomb and six were dead within two years. When they unveiled Tutankhamun, they found a mark upon his face, and by a strange coincidence, the mark left upon the face of Lord Carnarvon, which presumably caused his death, was in exactly the same spot and of similar appearance. Nor does this list include the numerous native workmen who perished from the curse. Only recently, another name was added to the long list associated with the tragedy. Arthur Weigall, after a long and mysterious illness, similar to that defined in the curse, is the most recent victim. The eminent authority on antiquities, Dr. Martis said, quote, The Egyptians, for 7,000 years, possessed the secret of surrounding their mummies with some dynamic force of which we have only the faintest idea, unquote. I bet you an N95 mass that they all died of COVID, turns out. They should have just masked up. <laughs> Stupid Even bastards. Even a cloth mask would have done it, you know? Yeah. Stupid bitches. You won't be breathing in any of that curse. What are you oh, thinking? Should have discovered if, if it COVID today. restrictions were in Egypt, they'd, like, just make everybody, like, prematurely get the mummy wraps on them and just walk around like that day to day. <laughs> <laughs> Official Egyptian mummy wrap masks for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Now, you, you, gotta, you gotta wrap the mummy mask. Two to three times. You That's know, these mummies, the, I gotta say, most double mask, double mummy up. Double mummy. You know, it, it, <laughs> it'll be good for you. Now, the uh, first the first embalming, it's totally, totally safe, on. totally effective. <laughs> Painless. It's only uh, the, not super painful. <laughs> speaking of mummies. 
We all need to mask up. <laughs> Thanks, bitch. Uh, <laughs> have you ever, anyway, have you ever heard the 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 scream of the? Uh, oh God, where the fuck is it? Of King Tut, not King Tut. The scream of the. You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> no, I don't know about that. No, <laughs> <laughs> just dumb and dumber. It's good. It's a good one. Uh, another random thing about Horace. Uh, turns out, according to Bill Cooper, that Horizon, the word Horizon, is is based on Horace's risen. Oh, that is very Horacey. And that the word ours yeah. is from Horace. Yeah. And that according oh, to yeah. Herodotus, who is uh, called the father of history by Cicero, one of the great ancient Greek historians who gave us these stories of, uh, you know, Thermopylae, like 300, the Spartans and all that stuff. He's the guy who actually was, who wrote all that down and was there for it and saw it. And he talks about going to Babylon. He went to Babylon around 450 BC, and he wrote about the city and its splendor. And he's the one who claims that the Greeks took the 12-hour day from the Babylonians. And we take everything from the Greeks because we take everything from the Romans, and the Romans took everything from the Greeks. So whatever the Greeks took from Babylon is what we just for, take for granted as part of what we do. And uh, I was looking into the etymology of horizon and hours and all that shit. And it kind of has like some loose shit that goes wonky in the Middle Ages where everyone's like, eh, it could be this, it could be that, it's French, whatever, who gives a shit? And then it goes back to the Greek, ultimately. Where um, horos means, you know, it means like separation or something like that. Divvying. <laughs> so so that was kind if of Horus and the If the legends of Horus and um, <clears throat> this ancient technology Egypt had where they had energy transferring through obelisks and pyramids and all that's true. And they had this wireless technology. Then maybe like the corporation in Egypt back then doing like the wireless services would have been called horizon wireless horizon wireless. Yeah. And they probably had a big dividend. That's a long way to go for that. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That was a 4d chess pun. And I appreciate that very much. Masterful move. <laughs> wow incredible <Whoa>. final round <laughs> lit super sudden death oh wow oh wow what I've seriously had those every, every time we do those I have the smash brothers like isos drops stuck in my head for like a week afterwards I'll just be walking around saying this wow it's, it's, it's in my bones it's in my paws uh, yeah it's great I, I love that game <laughs> Played a lot back in the day. So Horus and Horizons. Well, uh, I, I like this part. So we're, we're moving on here. Bill makes fun of UFO people, which I think is fucking classic. I love Bill because he, he'll take time to be like, these people are kooks. These people are kooks. He goes and he speaks at all. Because this is the early 90s, right? He's going to all these different conventions. And he's speaking his shit at all these conventions. And they're all full of fucking, as he calls them, nutbats. And uh, <laughs> I think that ties into what we were talking about earlier about Primus and how you have to like differentiate between what's ridiculous and what isn't. And it's, it, trust me, it's a fine line if if there is one at all, really. But uh, if you could play uh, uh, Mystery Four, Winged Sun. 
Your first birth was out of the water your mother formed you in. Because her water broke and your new life began, rebirth is symbolized by coming out of total immersion in water or baptism or being born again. These points here mentioned are just some of hundreds, if not thousands, of direct connections that can be made between the Judaic Christian Bible story and the far more ancient original story. The purpose for drawing your attention to this literary plagiarism, according to the Mystery School, this is what they believe, is best stated by Alfred North Whitehead, who said, quote, No lie can live forever, unquote. Egyptologist Gerald Massey said, quote, They must find it difficult, those who have taken authority as the truth, rather than truth as the authority, unquote. And now for a few thoughts on the Old Testament Word of God, according, again, to the mystery religion. Remember, I am revealing the secrets of the mystery religion of Babylon during this broadcast. At Malachi 4, 2, the God of heaven is described as the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings, and it is spelled S-U-N. The Son with healing in his wings. Then in the New Testament, at Matthew 23, verse 37, and Luke 13, verse 34, we see God's Son wanting to gather all under, quote, his wings, unquote. This is most appropriate, for in Egypt the sun was always pictured with his wings, and you see a disc with wings. Now all these pitiful little twits running around calling themselves ufologists, and Zachariah Sitchin, who has perverted the interpretation of the ancient writings, claims that this means that the Egyptians, whenever they drew these, are put these hieroglyphics on in their writings, were indicating that UFOs came from other planets, and nothing can be farther from the truth. But this is part of the mystery Babylon deception trying to convince the people of the earth that we are threatened by some other species from some other planet, so that they can more quickly bring about their new world order, their one world totalitarian socialist government. Don't fall for it, folks. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it, folks. Say that five times fast. I like forks. I like forks. Sporks, maybe. I like sporks. The following Uh, announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. You you know, as an adult, I really kind of appreciate spoons more. Maybe, you know, I'm just getting older, but back when I was a kid. Spins the spoon with your behind. Oh, I do like spooning. (laughs) That's always fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, winged stuff. Sun, son of man, blah, blah, blah. Aliens uh, are fake. Aliens are fake. The the, the general yeah. gist is, and this is what I really like, there, there is a an element of groundedness to this whole theory, which is that there is just a, a club, a religion, that's been going on for a very long time, more more time than we give it credit, and there's just a group of people that stick to it. And that's it. And then all this other shit is all a distraction from the fact that these people, whoever they are, just have have it together. And they're thousands of years ahead of any of us just as a part of playing this game, whatever it is. They got the real unfiltered history books. Yeah, they are history as far as we're concerned. And um, 
I, I'm, I'm about it. I really like the theory that, you know, we've been around for 100,000, 200,000, 250,000 years since humanity, since Homo sapien developed the intelligence to do what it is that we can do. And, and given the scope of how slow life changes in evolution, it's not crazy to think that we have more or less had this amount of, not intelligence, but intellectual capacity. Um, but we now have the thousands of years of technology. We stand on the shoulders of great people and uh, we can sit around and we can, you know, communications instantaneous and all this shit. But a hundred thousand years ago, there were people around that were basically as smart as we are with sticks and fire. But maybe that if isn't you believe the, case. the canonical version of history. Like Randall Carlson says, canonical. like, it's like, why every 13,000 years we get reset? That's the Randall Carlson right. theory. And he well, has yeah, great and, and data he makes to back the compelling that up. point. It's like, why did we, why, why did humanity, it's like for at least, you know, if not a million years, for at least 200, 300,000 years, the human brain side has, has been the same. Why did we wait to make civilization until the last couple thousand years? Right. And, it's it's almost arrogant to think that you know people didn't figure it out, and that's what I think of when I think of Mystery Babylon and Atlantis. I think that these are just ancient tales that tell us about that 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 shit was hopping back in the day, and then something happened and it fucked it all up, and we had to start from ground zero. We had to start from square one again. And but um, there were some people with that that hid the ancient knowledge, possibly deliberately, because uh, they knew exactly. the reset was coming. And so they just are like, let's have an advantage and just hang on to all this knowledge. We know this reset, great reset, uh, geographically is coming. Uh, asteroid, what, super volcano, whatever. Yeah, and they just ruin hang on is to always knowledge. coming. Yeah, but you, you, so you they, prep there, for there it. could have been like ancient mystery schools that, after you know, going back thirty thousand years or something, that survived multiple resets and just hid all that you know technology and ancient writings for themselves. Mm-hmm. And what's passed through is the symbolism. What's passed through is yep. the imagery, because that's the only thing you can do. You carve things into the stone, and you hope that they last. And the truth is, is you know, the reason why the pyramids of Giza and and, and Egypt and and uh, northern desert Africa have all of these great old things that we keep finding is because it's a desert, and these things don't rot away that fast. I was looking at how they took. The the um the obelisk that's in the city of London, which is called Cleopatra's Needle, they took that and they put it in London. That thing's gonna fucking erode away because it rains every day there, you know. And you you see the weathering of it. The reason why things in the desert don't do that if they're made of stone, especially, is because it takes forever to weather it away when there's no moisture. But then you have something like Angkor Wat over in Cambodia. And you have the evidence of this giant metropolis that used to exist, but we can't find it because it's fucking covered in jungle. Nicaragua, please. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm a little feisty back there. Isn't that isn't that one of the theories that Egypt was uh, possibly covered in almost like an Amazon rainforest type landscape when they built the pyramids? Yeah, with the time the scale things. we're talking about, yeah. and I talked about that last week with uh, Atlantis on the other side. Of on West Africa, or in what is now Mauritania, they have the Eye of the Sahara. I mean, that's all kind of on the same latitude. So, uh, you know, 100,000, 200,000 years ago, yeah, Northern Africa was much more green than it is now. 
And that's just, that's how it is. And there's certain remnants of that. We have stuff that's underwater. These giant stone structures that are they're perfectly carved temples that are so old that they're now underwater. And people look at that and go, well, uh, the water did that. <laughs> it's a fucking joke. Um, natural. It's naturally occurring. Yeah, naturally it's occurring. It's like myocarditis. It just happens. Just, you know, 18-year-old athletes with no history of chronic heart condition just dying. That's perfectly normal. It's always happened. Complex We've always megalithic structures, the they just appear under the ocean. That's right. It's, it's easy. The, the, the Earth did that. Uh, please play Mystery 5, Sheep Shepherd. In the most ancient Egyptian understanding of things, mankind was called the Sheep of God. And the great orb of day, God's son, was the overseer, or, in the exact words from the ancient Egyptian manuscript, the good shepherd. And we are his flock. All ancient kings thought of their people as sheep to be pastured with themselves as the shepherd. Sheep are ideal followers, you see, for they do not think for themselves, but will blindly follow anyone without question. And that's why I call most people sheeple. It's truly admirable behavior for animals, but it is very, very unwise for humans. Sheep were born to be fleeced and have the wool pulled over their eyes and are eventually always led to the slaughter. Lastly, they end up as a tasty meal eaten by their masters and their skin or their hide or their wool is worn as an apron around a Freemason's waist. <laughs> How about that? Keep all of the foregoing in mind, folks. We read again from the Old Testament book of Psalms. At Psalms chapter 23, verse 4, we read that old, dog-eared, tired, exhausted, and equally misunderstood chestnut, according to the mystery schools, used by every man of the cloth to put the sheep to sleep. We quote it here. Quote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, unquote. Thy rod and thy staff? Here in the book of Psalms, the Old Testament God is pictured with his rod and staff. The rod here mentioned is the king's rod of discipline, and the staff is the shepherd's staff or crook. Now, for the correct understanding of this old verse, any good library book on the Egyptian religion will tell you that the ancient pharaohs were said to be ruling for God's son, spelled S-U-N, on earth. He was called king of the kingdom and the great shepherd of his sheep. In the hands of the pharaoh god, whose arms formed the sign of the cross on his chest, were placed the royal symbols of heavenly power, the rod which was a flail, and the staff. The rod was used to beat those who were disobedient, and the staff with the crook was used to herd the sheep. Kinky. Yeah, pretty freaky dicky. Uh, I'm pretty sure anybody who has been Christian at any point is, definitely knows that psalm, Psalm 23, very famous. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I never really considered it like creepers. that. Was that Sir Seed Sir? Oh, you, I said Sheepers Creepers. 
Sheevers, Griefers, she, Shinkies. Uh, oh, share my sheep. Oh gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I need to listen. I need to listen to more Bob. Uh, Bill. 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 Bob. I was like Bob Cooper. That's not right. I need to listen to more Bill Cooper because, like, most of the stuff I've—I I've, mean, I read *Behold the Pale Horse*, and I most of the talks I've listened to have just been strictly about Bluebeam. I haven't heard his like Bible deconstruction before. Yeah, he's he gets into that a bit because he definitely is a Christian. He's he's a follower of the words of Christ. There's no doubt about that. Um, he has one more fun thing, and this is this is my last clip from Bill Cooper. Um, when I was a kid, I noticed this. I was raised mildly Catholic, and I was always interested, as as I am with a lot of different shit, I'm interested with the writing. And I was always fascinated in the fact that the thing that really kind of controls the world is this one book. And um, throughout my life, I've had different... I'm not a very religious guy, particularly, but I've had different literary fascinations with the Bible in the sense that I just... I want to I know the story. I want to know what it is that people are all hyped out about. And um, in in so doing, at, the, at a young age, I was also interested in mythology, Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology. I learned about Osiris. I learned about Zeus, you know, all that shit. You're at a certain age and you learn all that shit because it's kind of cool. And um, I was always interested in the fact that they had this Amun-Ra character. You have Ra. The main four characters that you find in the Egyptian mythos are Osiris, Isis, Horus, and Ra, and Set. Uh, so say five. Let's say five. And Set, according to Bill Cooper, is represents the darkness. Hades and evil is always the darkness because originally nighttime was the scariest time for primeval man. And... uh and when you have the word set, that literally translates into a sunset. When 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 the darkness comes, when the light fully traverses through that medium, it becomes set. And the, they, they name their god set, and so that's the tie there. But I always thought it was interesting they had Amun-Ra, or Ra. And I thought, Amen. Hey, that's what they make us say at fucking church. Amen. Amun-Ra. And a woman. And a woman. Now it's a woman. Because we're a very progressive society, yes. But Amen, and I always thought, well, are you praising men? And I asked, I asked the priest that. I said, when you say Amen, do you do? You, are you praising mankind? Is that the is that the source of this word? And he said, no, it it means uh, Hallelujah or it means whatever is is kind of the way he explained it to me. It doesn't mean mankind. It means glory to God or something. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because it's got men in there, Amen, and then you got Amen Ra. Uh, in the Egyptian mythos. So I I always kind of tied that together from a very early age. And then I heard this clip from Bill Cooper, Bill Cooper 6, amen. In Egypt, God's risen son was Horus. At 12 noon, he became the Most High. In this exalted position, he became the mediator between God and man. His name was Amun-Ra. Ra equals ray of the sun. His shepherds on earth were called priests of Amun. They would direct their prayers to the invisible God, the Father, through his mediator, Amun-Ra. And God's Son was the great Amun with his rays. In the New Testament, he, the Son, is still called at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, 
And Revelations chapter 1 verse 7 and Revelations chapter 3 verse 14, the Amen. At the end of prayers in the temples of Egypt, they would say, Amen. So they stole a lot. I, I, I think that Egypt and through proxy, uh, Judaism and Abrahamic religions, which leads to Christianity, Islam, etc. They took so much from this thing. One of them being burying people. I think burying people is a, is a novel idea that these guys came up with. I think that the idea of like a grave <laughs> developed with this, but all these sorts of things. Amen. It's all ripped off. It's all plagiarism. It all is an adaptation of an older religion. And especially when there was the, the conversion of, you have the Holy Roman empire and you have the papacy, which we've brought up before that dirty, dirty diddling Catholic church. And there's a great point to be made that when the Roman empire collapsed, it didn't really die. It just became the church. And, um, the Catholic Church today is just as powerful as anything that you could imagine. Capital T, the the church, the church, and by proxy, all the other lesser ones that we've talked about, the Jesuits and the Black Pope. And I even uh, posted a little. Uh, I think I posted this picture, De Pope. It's in the show notes. I posted a picture of De Pope at one of these uh, big giant churches, and it looks just like a snake. <laughs> Um, the only black pope I need is Kanye. Ah, uh, Kanye twenty twenty four all the way, all the way. Yeah, this is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite memes on the interwebs. It's the yeah. literal head of a serpent, and at the that was uh we used that episode or we used the statue. It's a uh, Jesus. Um, is he sun rising or sun setting in this statue? Featured at the on stage in this picture. I, I don't know. Did you? Oh, you posted it just now. <clears throat> well, I, I uh, posted the picture. Oh, that yeah, said. yeah. The but the uh, the Jesus statue on stage. Uh, Vatican. There's a big statue of Jesus, and they got like all these like sort of serpent looking motherfuckers around them. Oh yeah, the demons pulling him into hell. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. yeah. Here, I'm getting ready to drop that. Yeah, that's wild. And according to Gnosticism, what we know of the Gnostic religion, which we only know through the Catholic uh, inquisitors that destroyed them, but the Gnostic religion basically turned it on its face and thought that Lucifer was the light bringer, and the serpent in the Garden of Eden was actually the true god of man, and that if it weren't for his efforts, we would have stayed primitive in the Garden of Eden for all time, and we wouldn't have the intelligence and the free will that we do now. And so that whole religion was kind of rooted in that. So obviously that had to be fucking weaseled out. But it, it's I mean, an alternative. Not, that, that idea tracks in some ways with even like the current interpretation of the Bible if you just look at it through a different lens. Exactly. The same text, like a, good, a different perspective. And it's like, a, it, it's like a macrocosm for the microcosm of like life pre and post psychedelics, at least. I don't know because, like, it, you'd like, uh, like the fruit. If the fruit of knowledge was some kind of psychoactive substance in the Which Garden I of Eden, like, yeah, that's a good idea. I think that's that perfectly tracks the fact that, yeah, because, like, think about, like, if, I don't know. At least for me, like, 
everything's like momentum and almost autopilot pre mushrooms. If I look back on it and mushrooms almost gave me like a not like a knowledge of good and evil type of a, uh, different, like, you know, a new, uh, just a completely new outlook on life and more, way more awareness, self-awareness and everything. Yeah. That was like long lasting. I, uh, I agree. I think if, if we are going to stick with like everything was developed here on planet, no extraterrestrial influence whatsoever, then I think that it is a valid hypothesis to, to pose that apes ate mushrooms, developed consciousness over a very long period of time. Um, I like the theory that the mushrooms themselves are aliens and that the spores come from somewhere else and that the mushroom has its own intelligence. And it, it, the mushroom the itself do seem to be intelligent for sure. They speak to you. They they give something to you. I mean, there's a place you go. If for anybody who's familiar with psychedelics, mushrooms and, and acid in particular, the mainstream ones, um, they both take you to a very specific place, I find, personally. And I've done mushrooms a lot, and I know that it it's a very familiar sort of like, oh, you're back <laughs> type of thing for me. <laughs> Walk up yeah. to that blue light, and the blue light says, "Hey, <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going?" Oh, uh, the blue light. Talk about a great reset. A bunch of mushrooms. Oh Lord, take the greatest acid kind of and f shit up. All right. Well, uh, I could talk about mystery schools all night, but of course, we don't have time to do that. So, I'm going to end it with just a couple of clips that I found of uh, Melinda French Gates talking about her divorce with Bill Gates. I would like to close it with that, if that's okay. Sure. Please play Melinda Gates 1, Mr. Booberry. Sir Booberry. You know, it was also widely reported that Bill had a, a friendship or business or some kind of contact with Jeffrey Epstein. This is two. And that you were not. Play one. I'm, uh, Melinda Gates 1 affair? Yeah. Yeah. That's number one? Yeah. That's the one I'm playing. Uh, play two? You know, it was also widely reported. Ah, son that- of a bitch. Okay, never mind. Oh, you so did I'll, a, I'll you pulled do- a JCD, didn't you? Uh, I, I can't believe I did. I can't believe I did. <laughs> uh, Melinda Gates won affair. So, so Melinda Gates goes on with, what's her face, Gail. What, what's her name, Gail? Uh, you know, this the CBS morning co-host that they always. Say. I know She's the saying. name, but not Gail King. Gail King. She's on with Gail King. And Melinda Gates comes on and she's talking about her, her separation with Bill. And they talk about the affair. And she's like, were you cheated on? And Melinda Gates was like, uh, that's a question you'll have to ask Bill. But the reports were that she, she cheated on him many, many times. And then right away, Gail asked him about Epstein. So play either one of those clips. You know, it was also widely reported that Bill had a, a friendship or business or some kind of contact with Jeffrey Epstein and that you were not, uh, that that was very upsetting to you. Did that play a role in the in the divorce at all in this process? Yeah, as I said, it's not one thing. It was many things. But I did not like uh, that he'd had meetings with Jeffrey Epstein, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you made that clear to him? I made that clear to him. I also met Jeffrey Epstein exactly one time. Did you? Yes, because I wanted to see who this man was. And um, I you? regretted it from the second I stepped in the door. He was abhorrent. He was 
evil personified. I had nightmares about it afterwards. So, you know, my heart breaks for these young women because that's how I felt. And here I'm an older woman. My God, I feel terrible for those young women. It's awful. You felt that the moment you walked in. I didn't he realize was awful. that. Yeah. And you shared that with Bill and he still continued to spend time with him? Any of the questions remaining about what Bill's relationship there was, those are for Bill to answer. Okay. But I made it very clear how I felt about him. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> I thought that was great. That definitely passed under the radar. She's great, man. Belinda Gates is hella funny. I listened to this whole interview. It's like a 10-minute interview. And at the end, Gail King's like, so are you dating? And Melinda Gates is like, fuck yeah, I'm dating. <laughs> she does not, like, transvestigation aside, I know that's a big thing with her, which is possible. But, like, she does not look at all like the Melinda of 10, 15 years ago. It's like a completely different person. Well, you get older. and I mean, so does Bill. Bill doesn't really look like what he looked like 20 years ago either. No, but this is like way, I don't know. If it, like, this is just like on a whole other level, I think. Yeah, I've heard that before. The the theory that she's like, a, it's like a Michael Obama type of situation. I mean, I think this might be different. I think it's like a totally different. Like they replaced her with Bill might have replaced her with a clone or something. I don't know. Something weird. It'd be interesting. Home. I mean, <laughs> and, hey, then, and then the I clone divorces you. <laughs> in class, takes half you your money. Your, you kill your wife because she's pissed off, and then the clone ends up just like divorcing <laughs> you anyway. Oh, I think dude. it would be a very Bill Gates to be like. The fuck you'll have my money. I'll kill you and make my clone have the money. <laughs> and I still win somehow. Just like, that's, spite. That's his mentality. Fuck oh, you. Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, my little bit on the mystery school. So real quick pop, crit, pop quiz. Uh, what does rain mean? Sir, sir, seat sitter. You're the guest. All you. <laughs> uh, God's jizz. That's right. That's fucking right. Don't you fucking forget it. And people listening to behind the schemes. Yeah. And and what does uh what does word. Earth mean? Earth means uh, mother. God's jizz. The womb. The womb. The womb. The answer to all these questions is God. God's jizz. The womb with the view. And what what are bees? God's jizz. That's fucking right. <laughs> and what's Jesus? Literally. <laughs> Literally God's jizz. Yeah. <laughs> God jizzed for your sins. God jizzes on and on and on. To infinity and jizz on. Everlasting jizz. <laughs> jizz men. Anyway, I look forward to all the, the emails I'm priests. going to get from Christians, if there are <laughs> any out there. There's no more left. What, who am I kidding? The, after the last, I think, 30 seconds, they're probably not listening anymore. The uh, Hope so. I, I guess I... <laughs> It, I guess it's escaping me if Bill did talk about bees. He does. Okay. I didn't clip it, but uh, to Bill, he talks about it. There's a, The first episode of The Mystery of Babylon is a, basically him introducing the concept through 2001 A Space Odyssey and through the, the first part of that before they go to space. All of the, the apes part and the obelisk and all that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. he, he he shows that that whole opening sequence is 100% about what I just talked about. The mystery schools and 
It's essentially a, a quick 10 minute quip of how life began. And the, the monolith represents, you know, the penis or the intellect or whatever. And, uh, he talks about the As bees. We all know there is no, bit. there's no intellect that exists without a penis. Yeah, without both. You need both. You know, the mother earth provided the, the life and the sustenance and then what, I don't know. It's, it's strange to, you can go I'm on. trying to be misogynistic. But we're talking about the bees, though. Not letting me do it. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. Excuse me? Sorry? Beg your pardon? <laughs> um, so we got the bees. And, and when, when the, the monolith in the, um, in, in 2001 appears, you hear the bees. Yeah, the buzzing. You hear the swarming of the bees. And Bill Cooper talks about that. And that is the, that represents to him the cohesion of society. It represents, Cooperation and mutual benefit, uh, which is something that the apes don't show. The apes are, you know, every man for himself or my family or whatever. But the bees represent like there's a shitload of people that are all working together, essentially. Yeah, it's all in there, baby. It's all in there. Kubrick was a genius. I I love love Kubrick. Yeah, I could talk about that in The Shining and Eyes Wide Shut for fucking days. On end, but I shan't. I'll save that for a little a later on. I like it. That um, was. Uh, I, I think we should do more Bill Cooper. I'm into this. Yeah, I, I I'm glad you say so. I'm going to bring more Bill Cooper in the future. I think if if you have any interest in listening to his Mystery Babylon series or reading his book Behold a Pale Horse, you can find that it's all for free. You can find the tapes for free online. You can find an audio book that he read himself for free online. All of it is available. He's been dead a long time. The IRS fucking killed him. Um, shot him dead. So he's the real deal. I got some uh, scream mails that are the real deal. Hit me with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we will. Don't you want to take a ride? With me to hell or beyond hell, beyond what you think hell would be, the depths of your mind, and then back again into the darkness so dark you see nothing. You feel nothing. You become nothing. And out, out of the nothing comes. (laughs) (laughs) Was that caller reading the uh, nutrition facts on the Beyond Meat? Yeah, yeah. That was the impossible burger. Uh yeah. man, that guy has the best fucking voice. Well, that guy has fuck. <laughs> voice of gold. Out of the darkness. God damn it, that guy. That guy was fucking Beyond born with quite a set of pipes. Child bless callers. Thank you very much, Mr. Sir. Sir. John Fletcher. Thank you. And Mr. we got sure. We got two more here. Uh, let's see. Lay them on. Let's see what this is. 
guys are talking about. It's sitting too goddamn close to home. There aren't enough voicemails for me to uh, talk about the shit that's been happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've tried to share it a few times with a few people, but uh, I just think I'm too paranoid. Or, no, that doesn't happen. Blah, blah, blah. After hearing you retell these stories uh, that you're reading, uh, I had to turn your I had to turn your fucking stream off. I can't can't hear it. Shit's too real. It's sitting too goddamn close to home. Especially about the things changing on the internet. Just, yeah, whatever, you know. You think I'm goddamn nuts or uh, not. But, there's been some fucking shit happening lately. And, uh, thought I was going crazy until I started listening to your show. And I'll probably listen later, but I can't listen right now. No, that's fair. It's free country. You can listen whenever you like. No, he's serious because he was whispering, talking real quiet. Well, caller, if they ask you to take off your clothes to perform, don't fall for it. There's good chances that what you're experiencing is being rebroadcasted out in the form of entertainment, possibly in red rooms on the, uh, I guess what you would consider the underweb. Yeah. I direct people to that episode we did with Dean about gangs talking. And by the way, uh, Lawanda, L- uh, L- what is her name? Lawanda? Uh, LaRonda, I think. Rwanda. Yeah, she hit me up to, uh, hang out, uh, the other day and then ditched last second. I was like, oh. Like just recently? Like a week ago. Oh, shit. Out of the blue, she called me. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say we chatted with each other maybe like two weeks ago. I checked in. Yeah, we were going to meet up at a bar, but I think she just couldn't get off. She told me she couldn't get off work in time or something. Yeah, that would make sense, doing doing what she does. Well, I uh, I hope you all uh, get up together. I think that would be a cool collision of the worlds. Um, yes. And, and as far as that last caller goes, I think I speak for all three of us where feel free to reach out to us. Uh, I'm always down to hear about that stuff, and I know... When I go through anything like that, I want somebody to talk to about it. Surely. Surely. Uh, and I, I would hate to play into, like, the the fear as well. Like, if, if we're talking about gang stalking and you feel like you're being gang stalked, we're not gang stalking you. <laughs> just <laughs> just to have, clarify. We don't have the manpower yet. We don't. Yeah. Yes. We, don't have any, yeah we, we need we need uh, we need tenfold billions, not not billions of billions. <laughs> That's where the Spielberg money comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And we can always uh, hit up Tony, see if he can get us like a producership from from uh, Spielborg. Yeah. Who is this Tony guy you keep talking about? Tony Fauci. Oh. Yeah, your boy? 
The or richest man Zach? in America? Oh, I I you Zach. Zach, Zach is is the assistant. Yeah, the new who's Tony? I don't know. Tony's Tony's uh the ten Tonys that Spielberg knows. <laughs> Keep up, Booberry. Stupid. <laughs> Gorgeous. Can you can, can I play one hip, hip, hypocritical hypocritical George Bush clip before we go? Uh, let's do this last screen mail and then I'll turn it yes. back over to you. Yes, yes. Sundial. It's not designed to be that, but that is the basic form of a sundial: is the circle and then the penis in the middle. That's me. Tell him I said that. My dick. Oh, I stepped on it. Fuck. Whoa. That was what did he say? Who? Sorry, play it again. Sorry. Fucked up. It's not designed to be that. But that is the basic form of a sundial is the circle and then the penis in the middle. <laughs> Telling time with my dick. <laughs> <laughs> If you ever want to know what time it is, around 10 a.m., I want you to go out onto the street, <laughs> take your pants off, get hard, lay on the ground, <laughs> and then look at your tummy, and you'll know <laughs> what time it is. <laughs> nice. Billy <laughs> <laughs> really right. I mean, if it comes back a second time, that that's that's surely the way to go. It's a sign. There is no such thing as coincidences. This is the path forward. This. This is the path up. As Cotton Gin says, this is morning wood. <laughs> uh, How are people, people quote us while we're doing the show and then play us back? I these know. Guys are, these guys are crazy, I, man. Who I'm are gonna, you people? I'm going to... I'm gonna fess up. I just... I, I was like... You I, did I it, didn't you? The call but- I did. I hit the call button. And literally unedited, you guys were talking about that. And then as soon as Booberry said, telling time on my dick, I was like, perfect time to hang up. <laughs> oh, there you go. Perfect. People think it's a great idea that I export a plum and import a plum. Oh, plums or peaches. That was, uh, that was, that was very well timed. That was very well timed. Well done. Comes out. Look. You're a lucky bastard. Let's see here. Yeah, this uh, I got one thing on Bush because they, they, during the Bill Cooper thing, he said somebody asked George H. W. if he was uh, Christian or mm-hmm. if he was religious, and he replied, "If you're asking if I've been born again, the answer is yes." So this is some dumb shit I found on George H. W.'s uh, spirituality. It's dumb. Uh, George H. W. too very private about it. President Bush, like many presidents before him, sought spiritual guidance from his longtime confidant, the Reverend Billy Graham. His son, Reverend Franklin Graham, joins us now to reflect on the friendship their families shared. Good to talk to you, as always, sir. Um, what was your relationship with this remarkable man? Well, first of all, condolences uh, to the entire family. Um, the, the president was a deeply spiritual man. Uh, he, he he did not wear his uh, faith on his uh, coat sleeve. He was private about it. I've just repeated, word for word, the oath taken by George Washington 200 years ago. And the Bible on which I place my hand is the Bible on which he placed his. 
the Masonic Bible. And my first act as president is a prayer. And I ask you to bow your heads. Heavenly Father, oh, never we bow our heads and it. thank you for your love. <laughs> Accept our thanks for the peace that yields this day and the shared faith that makes its continuance likely. Make us strong to do your work, willing to heed and hear your will, and write on our hearts these words. Use power to help people. For we are given power not to advance our own purposes, nor to make a great show in the world, nor a name. There is but one just use of power, and it is to serve people. Help us remember, Lord. Amen. Amen, Ra. <laughs> all women, Amen. all women, and Amun Ra. And, and serve people, like, on a silver platter. <laughs> to yeah, serve to serve man. It's a cookbook. It's a cookbook! <laughs> Exactly. There, I mean, talk. There's some kind of sick blasphemy element to somebody's evil. Is that sick fucking guy praying and making a big show out of it like that? I, absolutely. I mean, that's if you want to get real biblical about it, he could be considered the Antichrist. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just lame that when you know because he passed away a couple of years ago, and everyone said, "Oh, he's a spiritual man." Oh, but he. He never he never talked about his spirituality. I'm like, oh yeah. And <laughs> I fucking go and I find his inauguration, and the first thing he fucking does is talk about a the Masonic Bible, and then b, all right, everybody, bow your heads in prayer. Like, never in my life have I ever asked a group of people to bow their heads in prayer. Okay, and if I did, I would consider myself a religious man. <laughs> bend, it's definitely bend the neck. Definitely a lot. Sorry, I stepped on you. You're good. <laughs> I was gonna say it's it's definitely a lot worse than when uh, Trump said his his favorite book of the Bible was Thessalonians two. <laughs> it's like any Christian knows it's Second Thessalonians, not Thessalonians two. Second Thessalonians. Also, what a weird bro. book to book, pick. But, yeah. yeah, he he likes being obscure and and acting like he knows what he's talking about. Uh, anyway. That's uh, that's me tonight, and I got a bunch of pictures as well in the show notes. If anyone wants to see, I got the Giza power plant, which is a picture of the uh, the book written about uh, the technologies of ancient Egypt by Christopher Dunn about how the the pyramid was was a giant power plant, solar harnessing technology, and yeah, thermal like energy that. harnessing. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to look at all this. This is a cool yeah. photo. Check it out. Yeah, that's all. It's Zosso's Corner. Zosso's Corner. Yeah, if you don't know, by the way, everything we talked about is referenced in the show notes uh, at Zosso's Corner. Substack. Brilliantly maneuvered by Sir Booberry, Mothman of the Miniocalypse. By the way, I think the Zosso's Corner button on BehindTheSchemes.com needs a uh, link to go to the Substack. What? Surely it's there. <laughs> I do not Shirley, see. don't call me Shirley. Damn, I don't think it's there. All right, unless I'm just missing it. No, no, it's uh, yeah, it's totally there. Uh, you're totally missing it. It's uh, totally taken care of. Uh, right. we'll, uh, <laughs> don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, cool. don't mind me. Uh, thanks for yeah. thanks for joining us tonight, uh, Sir, Sir Seed Sitter. Got any uh, uh, got any guests lined up for this week? Uh, this Wednesday, we're going to have Fletcher on. We're going to have a cool little topic. And then, uh, Fletcher. 
that's yet to be. I won't, I won't spoil much of it because I've been, I'm still looking into it. Uh, so he's, he's bringing a topic and I'm going to try to bring some stuff on that topic as well. And I think the week after that, 420, we're doing, uh, a buddy of mine and I that, uh, kind of inspired me early on to do the first dreams episode. He and I are going to do like a dreams 2.5 to kind of tie it over to the third one with bowl after bowl. And then of course, uh, the 24th of this month, I think 13 days from now or something, we got uh, Battle of Douchebags right after No Agenda Part 3 with Carolyn Blaney. That's yes. right. Very exciting. We'll have to pick our contenders here pretty soon. Yeah. I think I got at yeah. least one of mine so far. So. Nice. I still think yeah, it would be fun to do like a biggest douchebag pharma company. Yeah, but I think that'd be good for like a bonus stuff. round because like if you – how would you bring – You'd have to have one of the pharma companies be up against the douchebags in the final tournament. <laughs> you got to do a lot of background too. You'd be like, it, it, so it'd be like Ethan Klein, Chuck Unger, Neil Young, and <laughs> Pfizer. It's like, <laughs> no, it's a, uh, it's Chunk versus, it's Chunk versus J and J in this round. Bestiality, yeah. bestiality is up against injecting asbestos into the back of inmates. <laughs> Who will take it away as the biggest douchebag? <laughs> I heard I heard Steven Spielberg say that's how Michael J. Fox got uh Parkinson's man. Um but yeah, bro. thanks thanks you guys for letting me hang tonight. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. And also thank you to our guest Steven Spielberg who came on for our first half of the show. That was really Spielberg. fucking awesome of that guy to get to come on because he's Yeah, it's a huge yeah. get for you guys. Yeah. We had two huge gets tonight. We're probably gonna we're I mean honestly, I'm expecting the if we're sitting at a couple million downloads per episode, this is just going to... 69 million. I mean... Yeah. It, I mean... We're in the Hollywood sink now. Yeah. Yeah. I can already taste that Hollywood star. Yeah, see One if day. See if he'll direct the Behind the Schemes movie or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, behind the Schemes of the third kind, of the fourth kind. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, uh, every, every Monday night, we do this episode over at BadRadio.Live. Hang out in the green room with us. Uh, hashtag green room on the IRC net. Chris hangs out over at podtar.com or shitmyass.com. Yes. Abs in a six pack. Fucking great show. If you don't listen to it, you oughta. Yeah. What are you doing with your life? Uh, even Master Shake. Roger Stone. Holy shit. David Icke. David Icke. Gilbert Gottfried. Us. <laughs> Us. Yes. Sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, Alex Jones. Yes. I love you, Alex. <laughs> Rob Dew. I do like the Rob Dew stuff. Yeah, it was episode 92 behind the schemes, motherfucker. We love you. And the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that. And Amuron tells us that. L. Ron Hubbard tells us that. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Yes. Uh, thank you, everybody, for hanging out. We'll be back next week. Tune in. Come get some. And always remember, smoke DDT and fuck the suits. I've been Booberry. Yeah, you shouldn't fuck the suits too hard. Make it, make it work for it. My name's Lavish. 
And past my bedtime, I've been Sir Sir Caesar. This is Behind the Schemes, the esoterica of your dreams. Why don't you just come with me and go to the and stay in the green room and so you can sit there? There's, there's drinks. There's you know there's good. There's a great TV. You know you don't have to sit in the audience. Sit back here and watch it all. It's cool. So I'm watching this and I'm saying, I said, you ever heard of this BTS group? I mean, yeah. Lavash, of course, is short for Leviticus. Booberry wants some action. Booberry and lavish, uh, just uh, motorboating a bunch of boobies. What a time. What a time to, to listen to podcasts. Drinking a quart of vodka a day and smoking crack around the clock. Now get a pencil and paper ready.